Hey guys, this is Kari Payton. I play King Ezekiel on The Walking Dead and Cyborg and just about everything. You're below the belt. I don't know where I am, but you're below the belt. The Below the Belt show is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Another episode of BTB Below the Belt in the Mother Effin House. I'm your host, Al Soto, aka Celebrity Soto, your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure, guys. We have an incredible show. We hope all our listeners, all our fans, all our friends and family had a great Thanksgiving break. It was a much deserved break on BTB. <laughs> we always take our customary yeah. one week off uh, on BTB. A whole week. That's right. A whole week. Um, But we will be taking an extended break after the Christmas holiday. But let's go ahead and introduce. um, Yeah, here on BTV, starting with um, he is uh, doing something a little different, joining us via his phone while driving. This is a first, I think, for Chachi McFly joining us on Below the Belt show in his car. Chachi (laughs) McFly, the king of the 80s. That's right. Yeah, I'm Coming back from the Virginia Beach area, have family down there, and I went to nice. visit them after um, Thanksgiving. So now I'm just driving back home now, back up to Maryland. Um, so I'm calling right now from 95. Wow. Nice. Okay. Passing, just be uh, safe driving there. Passing. How is it? Thank you. It's clear, nice and clear. Like I, my cousin um, lives in um, St. Augustine, Florida, and she left Virginia Beach. On Sunday, which is the worst possible day of the year to drive. Yeah. And it took certainly. her 13 hours to get home. Like, normally, at the worst, it took her like 10 hours in past years. So it was like three hours even more this year. So I definitely avoid leaving on a, a holiday weekend. So that's why I'm if leaving on a Tuesday night. If you can, you must. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Trying to avoid all the traffic, you know? Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving holiday? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, should we talk about that for our um, topic of the week? Um, topic of the week, traditions? Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving traditions. Yeah. I muted birthday traditions last last time. Uh, this time we will talk yeah. about Thanksgiving traditions um, because yes, we don't really have a Thanksgiving show per se, so I guess we can talk about it. Um, my Thanksgiving tradition is Al Soto's. Famous crab dip. Um, I my my uh, version is a little different. I add spinach to mine, so it's a Maryland crab dip 
with spinach because I'm just a little extra, you know, if I'm, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I think the recipe has evolved. I had to learn how to make a double portion of the, the Maryland crab dip for Thanksgiving. Um, and well, it is share a, the recipe. It's a sure, sure. It is a crowd pleaser. It is a crowd pleaser. Um, I do make it every year. Um, and uh, this is the first Thanksgiving, this particular one that makes us some specials that my sister hosted in her house in Towson, in Maryland, here at home in Maryland. So that was uh, tremendous. We actually welcomed uh, two of my cousins. Uh, and uh, one of them, you know, we kind of had a, uh, I guess, a reunion of sorts that sparked uh, more interest to get together more often. Um after shortly after my parents' anniversary party, I hadn't seen my cousin in a long time. Uh, sadly, we had to get together for his father's uh, funeral. He passed away. But other than that, you know, we hadn't seen each other um, in years. So it was good to get um, him and his family um, together. Um, and uh, we just had a great time, you know, both sides of the family, my, my sister's husband's side, my, you know, my side of the family. We got together. We had a Great Thanksgiving feast, got full, got bloated, uh, yeah. <laughs> had some great uh, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, turkey. Uh, we like to throw in a little extra stuff, uh, well, the crab dip, some steamed shrimp, uh, some salmon. Uh, so not just the turkey, the mashed potatoes and all that stuff. And it's a little cliche, but we did do our, uh, you know, thank uh, what we're thankful for. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> my dad gets really emotional when he starts talking about, you know, being an immigrant and, you know, uh, and, you know, the life that he's made uh, here in the in, in America. Uh, and uh, he kind of broke down in tears. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, so, so, he, so he actually came over from the Philippines? N- well, I mean, not that day. <laughs> he was talking about <laughs> no. he was talking about his. No, uh, I know. I, well, he, yeah, yeah, just talking about what he's thankful for. He's thankful for the opportunities that that he's had to serve in the U.S. Navy, to to meet my mother, you know, to to have kids, to have a grandson, to you know, that kind of thing. So, but I don't know. It's really well, I really think that a lot of people who, um, yeah, I think a lot of people who like immigrate over here appreciate the country a lot more than the people who were born here. Yeah, I think the people who are born here. Kind of take it all for granted, but the people who actually immigrate over here and like are seeking a better life really can, um, you know, see the differences and um, the more opportunity than than a lot of the the home countries. What's your status? Are you American-born or? Oh, Chachi McFlies is about as American as apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> Copy that. Just uh, asking. Yeah. I'm not. I'm an immigrant as well, so that's yeah. Why I, we we actually have more. Yeah. More people to announce um, that have joined us, right, Chachi? We, oh, yeah. I, I don't even think we've announced um, the first that the person that has joined us since the beginning, and we have someone else that just joined us. But let's start off with um, a great friend. She is an actress. Uh, she is a uh, focus group queen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she is the one and only, the ravishing Russian Anna Kay. And but I also like helping hey. people. Yes, Anna Kay. Good to have you back on BTB. It's good to be back. Always fun to having fun with the you guys, Baltimore boys, eh? 
Yeah, the bad boys of Baltimore and uh, beyond, and beyond, and let's uh, in the house. Let's let's introduce um a bad boy that just joined us <laughs> from uh, he's from Southern yeah. Pennsylvania, <laughs> but he's he's about as DMV as you can get, you know. Oh, he's also guy. he's also an actor extraordinaire. Um, he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. He's also a <laughs> Sith Lord. He is Darth. He is Darth Paul Wallace. Hey. Welcome. Hi. Darth, hey. are you with us? Are you with us, Darth Paul? Yes, I'm with you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Darth, good to have you on BTB. Nice to be here. Nice, nice. But he's with us. He's with us, guys. Um we actually have someone else. America online. America are you using America online, Paul? Uh no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul knows about America right. online, right? Some people are still using it. It's all right. <laughs> it's an oldie but a goodie. How about that? Yeah, it's an oldie but a goodie. Some people still use their AOL email addresses. Exactly. Exactly. I am yeah. surprised that some people still use AOL email. Some people use it for business too. Still, like you'll yeah, some companies sometimes it's like whatever, whatever at AOL.com. I'm like, yeah, exactly. If you're a business and you're still using AOL. That's not a good reflection. I mean, uh, they actually had a, a joke about it in the the series Younger. It was shot in New York. I know, Anna, you've worked on that show a, a bit. I have myself. Uh, she was obviously trying to come off as a younger woman, getting back into the workforce of advertising, right? Mm -hmm. So she created a business card, and her original email was, you know, an email at AOL.com. And she's like, oh, no, no, no gmail.com yeah i gotta change it because <laughs> it definitely the younger folks it definitely reflects on a time and, and day when uh when everybody was you, using america online you know can you sign up for an aol email still yeah you, can, you still can i think they charge money though don't they it's a it's still free email it's a free use they used to charge money yeah. for it so. <laughs> they somehow had to stay in business yeah but uh, now that we have uh, the rest of the uh, panel, we're still waiting for one more. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about – well, we'll save you last, Chacha. I already went. Anna Kuchma, any uh, Thanksgiving traditions or Thanksgiving memories you want to share? Uh, sure. Uh, we're not huge on Thanksgiving in general as a holiday. It's a good holiday. So Yeah. Any, Do the Russians not uh, celebrate not, it? In not really, but any time we could make food and eat – and sit down with friends, that's a definite go, you know, as long as everybody's feeling well. Uh, my parents are not doing super great, so it wasn't like a celebration this year, but we still made some food, yummy food, which was good, and even I cooked, you know? Really? So now you don't do traditional oh. Thanksgiving food, do you, Anna? Or do you do more Russian food? So yes and no. So this year I tried to make it more traditional because we did have turkey, and nice. I added some stuffing, and... Uh, Pumpkin pie and a sweet potato. Nice. Marshmallow, my style, plus because I added some uh, prunes in there as well. Prunes. Yes, they All go right. together very, very well. Okay, interesting. Uh, mix With brown up. sugar and melted butter on top. Okay. Oh my gosh, it was very good. It that was sounds... more like a dessert, though. That's usually what they do with sweet potatoes. They add that brown sugar and it gives it more so of a good. dessert vibe, some so nuts good. or something. But you add prunes to yours. Mm hmm. But Very I will try something more, more uh, interesting next year. Nice, nice. All right, Big Paul, Darth Paul. What does a Sith Lord do for Thanksgiving? 
I just pretty much do the basic thing, like just turkey, uh, pumpkin pie, apple pie, uh, mm-hmm. stuff, cream bacon casserole. Now, do you actually cook, or does the family cook, or do you do takeout? I usually visit my parents and do it, just go with them. Nice. So the parents do all the cooking. Yeah. They nice. Them. Nice. Do you contribute at all to the food, to the food or the cooking? I mean, I contribute to eating it. I mean, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Very nice. Nice. So we like yeah. we like contributing that way. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. We do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, very nice, very nice, Paul. Uh, uh, Chachi McFly, we'll save the best for last because uh, you got something elaborate always for, oh. for your holidays, I'm sure. Yeah, I love all my traditions. Um, Thanksgiving is always a cool holiday because it's, I think, one of the most like laid back holidays. Um, especially out of the big holidays because you know Christmas and stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, Halloween is always a lot to do. Like Christmas is a lot of presents and everything you have to shop for. So it's like right. Lot going into it, which I, I love all those holidays, but, you know, Thanksgiving is just about the meal and getting together with family, which I always appreciate. So it's a lot more laid back. It's more, I think it's more family oriented than any other holiday. And like, but I still try to, you know, create different traditions around it. Like I, I've never been big on the, um, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I know a lot of people are big into that, but I never gotten too much into it a lot of people are cutting the cord too so it's kind of hard to watch yeah yeah i always thought that was ever rated but you know i do stuff like i started listening to this old song i believe from the 60s called alice's restaurant by arlo guthrie and it's about um takes place on thanksgiving in the song it's like a old like folk song and a lot of radio stations will play that um you know thanksgiving um day morning so i'll start listening to that every year and then always at night me and my family will watch um planes trains and automobiles you know that steve martin john candy movie which um is all about thanksgiving and trying to get to um, get home for thanksgiving i heard they added like 75 uh minutes of more footage what 75 more minutes yeah this is the first um year they released it as a um in 4k which, you know, this is the John Hughes movie, and they right. released as a special um, feature. I mean, it's not, it's not part of the um, actual movie, but it's you know, oh. as a special feature on the digital copy or you know, DVD. But it's over an hour of um, unreleased, uh, um, deleted scenes or extended scenes, and a lot of hilarious ones. I've I've read a couple of years ago that the original cut of the movie was like two and a half, three hours long. And and you know there's a different YouTube videos that were talking about the scenes that were cut out, but nobody actually had seen the footage. So they finally got the footage this year and released it. And it's some hilarious footage. I mean, a lot of it's like pretty grainy, pretty poor quality, but you know a lot of great jokes that weren't in the um, movie. You know, and you get to really see. I mean, I think you know John Candy was a was a legend. You know, gone way too soon. Oh God, just, yes. Just, just a lot of hilarious scenes with him and like. For me, it's still one of the funniest comedies of all time. I mean, definitely in my top ten of comedies. Just you know, based on the the humor that just, you know stands the test of time, and it, I I watch it every year. It's kind of like Christmas Vacation. It's one of the kind of movies that the jokes just still hit every year and like never get old for me. Well, there's but, not um, many Thanksgiving uh, movies. No, no, there's not a, not at all. Yeah, I mean, the... all, but well, they're talking it's about kind of re- special. What's the yeah. name of? 
Did you hear about that? The remake with Kevin Hart and Will Smith, and I think that would be just awful. Yeah, I heard that was going to be made, but it's been a couple of years since they announced it, so hopefully it gets canceled. I mean, yeah. there's well, there's Will's already been canceled movies. somewhat, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's certain movies that don't need to be remade. I, I don't get it. Like, you know, if a movie is already a classic, you know, it's already been loved, you know, it's already like a tradition for people. You don't need to remake it. You know, it still holds up. The jokes are still funny. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. nothing like that needs to be redone. You know, if you want to do a movie with Kevin Hart and Will Smith about them, you know, having trouble traveling, call it something different. Don't just yeah, try to take right. off the, um, you know, the established um, movie title that people already love because it's never going to hold up to the original. You know, even yeah, if it's, it's like a really like, funny movie, it's going to be um, subpar, you know, and like they're just expecting to save money on marketing by reusing yep. the same title and people already will know what the movie is, but I don't think it's worth it. I think it's going to be judged poorly. But, you yep. know, this, this Thanksgiving was different for me because I mean, last um, year, um, last December, we lost our, uh, my grandfather. So this was like the first, um, you know, Thanksgiving without him. And I always made sure in years past that um, I always sit next to him at the table. We always have um, Thanksgiving at my parents' house. So, I mean, that was definitely, felt like a big loss this year. And, um, but on the bright side, this was my uh, nephew's first Thanksgiving, my nephew Dylan. So, yeah, I mean, nice. Yeah. So it was great to see him, you know, you know, we were missing my grandfather this year, you know, it's, was still, I mean, he would have wanted us to get together as a family still and keep the traditions alive. And, you know, and it was very nice welcoming my um, baby nephew, who's, um, you know, only like about eight months old now, you know, you know into the tradition now. So, but, you know, I, mean, I always say in the past, I said this, you know, for years, you know, way before my grandfather passed away, you know, a lot of times these holidays can seem like a chore, you know, getting together, you know, and you might, not be super close or you might fight with certain family members but always try to enjoy these holidays getting together with family because you never know you know which family mm. member might not be that is so year, you know that is I mean? so true we lost yeah. uh earlier this year oh. and uh you know it, it kind of brought it, it took something like that for you know for us to be reunited and you know to make it a point to see each other in fact my cousin my uncle's uh, son and my cousin who is uh currently um teaching in in philadelphia at the wharton school actually visited okay. his wife his daughter so uh, again prior to to you know my uncle passing away it, it had been years since i had seen him so yeah you're right and you should always you know always try to make an effort um you know because you never know you never know what the future holds absolutely yeah, yeah. exactly and i know you're really big on family as am i so yeah, it's definitely try to enjoy the holidays, you know, and if you are irritated or whatever, just try to like um, keep that in mind, you know, try to like let stuff slide and just really try to enjoy the time together. Very nice. Well, that was great, Chachi McFly. Uh, that was uh, Thanksgiving um, traditions and memories for the BTB panel on tonight's show. So we do have one more um one more talented, talented uh, co-host joining us, but uh, we will just move on because uh, you know lots of stuff to talk about in the world of entertainment, right? Or, or do we have any anything to plug or anything yeah, wild to talk about before we? Talented, uh, but, talented but not functional. Functional. Yeah, actually, you know what? I got goddamn something to promote. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> yours truly was in a digital commercial for Little Caesars. 
Look for yours truly. Uh, <laughs> promoting, promoting a Thanksgiving uh, turkey-shaped pizza from Little Caesars is basically your alternative to the very pricey, elaborate Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> you can actually opt for to order a pizza from Little Caesars with their famous turkey cutter and cut the damn pizza uh into a turkey shape and uh wow thank you so much for liquid talent sherry bias of liquid talent uh who uh booked me for this role and of course um sprang tv the studios in richmond that uh selected me to work on the commercial and it was a lot of fun you can catch it on youtube uh and of course on little caesar's official instagram page you can't miss it if you want to check it out over there guys that was a a blast to work on um and um coming up the end of december towards the end of december not exactly uh the end but uh december 19th for our listeners in the dmv region um i have a christmas film that's going to be premiering in greenbelt maryland uh it's called a very merry muhusai it's a sequel to our award-winning house guest which uh won uh awards uh a few awards including the audience award at the 48 hour film project in washington dc and uh francis our director decided to do a sequel uh, a holiday sequel uh which is so much fun it's a lot of fun um yeah friends you know listeners heck whoever coming out check us out uh at the green belt theater and you can check out more information on barcada dmv uh which is the production company uh, you can find them on Facebook and on Instagram uh, for more details on the Christmas screening for A Very Merry Mahuse. Say hello to BTV Zone Al Soto and, uh, you know, the rest of uh, the cast and the crew. Um, so, yeah, a couple ch- shameless plugs to get out of the way, guys. But uh, <laughs> Congratulations, though. This is awesome. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, thank you so much, man. It's uh, been a r- fun ride. Uh Anna and Paul, I know you always have something uh, project-wise going on, right? I just work on Lioness, and I also uh, work on uh, Mayor of Kingstown. Nice. How was your experience on Lioness? Lioness is Taylor Sheridan's new show that's shooting in Baltimore. Um, I haven't gone on that set yet, but... Uh, I mean, it was good. I mean, I was working with all the SWAT teams, so it's like... We nice. Uh, you were like a SWAT team member? Uh, EOD. You're an EOD. Wow. That is awesome. Very impressive. Wow. That's awesome. And then you also work on... Um, back in a couple of weeks, so it's like... You, you know I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's a Friday type of thing, so it's like, it's crazy. A Friday thing? Yeah, where you start Friday and then you go into Saturday, so... Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's not fun, though. Oh, uh, they have some production schedules that shoot on Saturday. Is that you're alluding to? Oh, I mean, because you can go longer if you shoot on a Friday. And yeah, oh. there's no, no, no turnaround time on that. They're, they don't need it because they don't have to come in the next day. So they can oh, continue so, shooting. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so Friday tends to be the longest shoot day. Yeah. Sometimes. They, they, they could want, go, exactly. If they want to go longer to get as yep. much done. Because okay. usually they have to give the crew, what is it, uh, 10 hours or 8 hours of sleep? exactly you don't have to exactly what about you ravishing russian you're always on some tv or film set i know you started uh, working not too long ago right 
Uh, I did go back to a movie set. Um, I'm still auditioning, doing my stuff, you know, photography and all that good stuff. But you know what? Uh, I'm kind of opening up prospects, hoping for something in the future. Okay. Keeping an open, creative mind. Nice. Chacha, you got any albums dropping, singles popping, things like that? No, I'm saving that for the new year. New year, okay. (laughs) Nice. Got my new gangster rap album. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. All right, guys, let's talk about everything going on in the world of entertainments. Here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Benji and Joel. I'm sure they had a good Thanksgiving, those bastards. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, spend it with Cameron Diaz and, and uh, Nicole Richie, uh, you know, and yeah, I'm right. sure they're having a good time. Yeah, plus cashing all the royalty checks from that theme. <laughs> Careful what you wish for, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> 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 all right, so... Man, uh, so we were off last week, but can you believe for the third week in a row, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the number one movie at the box office. No surprise, there hasn't been any big uh, blockbuster since that dropped. Um, so an additional uh, $46 million for the three-day weekend and $64 million for the five-day. I, I guess a lot of people saw it, but did you find that a little racist, Al? <laughs> Whoa, big nice segue. You're, you're segueing like a motherfucker, man. What is going on? What is going on, Paul? What are you well, alluding to, guys, man? It's so basically you're 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 opening the the um the floodgate as you know, the opening Pandora's box by did you think it was this versus what did you think of it? So, I want to know where your head's at first. Okay, well, number 1, the main bad guy is Hispanic, right? How did they defeat the main bad guy? They dried his back off. So that was a derogatory thing right there. <laughs> that's how they... I mean, I don't know if anybody else picked up on that, but it's like, yeah, that's a little racist. Oh, my God. That is horrible, Paul. Yeah. That is I, absolutely I just saw, I, mean, I was like... Call it like it is, I'd, I'd say. That? Okay, so you're alluding to the derogatory term of wetback, right? Yeah. So it's they like, dried about... Why? I mean, think about the people who are writing that. It's like, did they do that on purpose, or did they just not... Oh. Think we're getting canceled tomorrow, guys. <laughs> Don't cancel all of us. No. <laughs> Paul, that is certainly your opinion, um, but uh, the views expressed of the Sith Lord do not necessarily reflect reflect the rest of the, <laughs> the panel below the belt show. Each his own, but it's all right. I think it's nice to be able to have this oh, kind of saying, discourse, you know? Yeah. He's not saying he agrees with it. He's just saying, you know, that's wrong. I mean, I don't know how somebody could write that and think, hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> it could be a bad coincidence as well, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Uh, um, but uh, So so was it the three weeks, is that when the white, white people were allowed to see the movie? Is that why there was a um, still going strong after three weeks? <laughs> oh, that's right. I think you're alluding to uh, one influencer in quotes that said that white people shouldn't see Black Panther in the opening weekend and should wait for two okay. weeks to see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. two weeks. Okay. I was. Yeah. I was gonna wait six months to be on the safe side. 
Yeah, just in case. You don't want to be ridiculed. Yeah, I don't want to be insensitive to anybody, so I'll make sure. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, every some some people are actually wearing all white, you know, because that in Wakanda and I guess in certain cultures in Africa they wear white as opposed to black when they you know when there's a funeral. Um, but yeah, um, well you know we had we had talked we had discussed Black Panther on. Um, the last show think, you can listen to. I think the protesters outside the theater are wearing white too. Okay. <laughs> that I have a question. Would, would um, Elon Musk be able to go? Would Elon Musk be able to go? Why wouldn't he be able to go? He's actually South African. He's South African. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be able to go? No, because remember they said like they like you had to be. Remember what the influencer said. It's like, would he be able to go? Like, oh, when, would he be able because he's not? Oh, because he's African American. Because he's. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Very, very controversial. I see what you're saying. Probably found the loophole. Yes. Um. Um. Yeah, Lexi. Let's go ahead and introduce guys. He is back on BTB. He is the man with the calming presence. And if you heard our. Um, our interview, or Zod's <laughs> interview with comic book creator Howard Chaikin, he certainly <laughs> earned that moniker tenfold. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the Persian prince of pop culture, and some of the women call him Zadi. Yeah, he, he is Mike the General Zod. Hello, everyone. Hello. I Welcome. apologize for being yeah, uh, it is a pleasure to be here as always. Uh, had to had to do some family duties, and that's why I was a little late. But that uh, is okay. Here well, I am. Zod, I'm, we didn't, I'm we didn't actually get... like this time, as compared to many other times, I actually showered, so I look <laughs> I look all clean and clean. Shave the face, shave the ears. You're good. Yeah. Oh, I forgot the ears. You might have a little bit of the. What did you call that? What it's is that called? Harry Pinna. Pinna, that's it's, it. It's a sign of wisdom. Uh, as you go yes. older, some some men develop hair in the ears. Uh-huh. Well, it goes with the goes with the zaddy per, persona. Oh, it goes <laughs> with the zaddy persona. Nice. <laughs> Good to have you back, General Zod. Lots of fun. So we had a fun time yeah. at uh, General Zod's improv show. Yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, it was such a such a pleasure to have you there, Al. You and your 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 friend. <laughs> <laughs> now we all know <laughs> it was it, zod is very talented guy by the way guys i think now, congratulations yeah i definitely. think his improv skills have um have improved i think this is my second show i believe that i've seen and uh yeah you you certainly know how to bring it oh well thank you thank yeah. you it's uh it's definitely a it's i used to think it was just like, oh, you know, I used to love playing pretend and I can bullshit a little bit. So, yeah. like, oh, this won't be hard at all. But yeah. it's actually a skill you need to develop. And, yeah, I mean, I'm actually, you know, it takes some time, but you eventually do get really comfortable at it. I know uh, everyone on here has a uh, entertainment background, so I am not... I mean, you guys, you know, it's like old hat for you guys. But for any of our listeners out there, if you feel like, you know, you know, you want to develop some confidence, get better at speaking, get more more, like courageous about just like uh, not giving a fuck what people think and just saying your truth and saying whatever it is, whatever crazy, silly idea you have. That's your Kanye. 
Unless you're, <laughs> <Kanye>. <laughs> Unless you're Kanye, yes. Yeah. You would highly recommend improv classes, in particular, if you're in the DMV, the Baltimore Improv. Yeah. That's a free Absolutely. plug. Absolutely. Free plug. Free plug. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for cool. not bringing in, in that town on our show. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, ever, very... we, we've just been scheduled for our next show. I'll wait till we plug stuff later. But uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, was, I was very impressed with your composure on that last interview. Oh well, thank you. Is that interview going to go down in infamy and below the belt? Yeah. It's one of the most shocking moments yeah. in TV <laughs> history, I think. I could not have kept my composure like you did. So, hats <laughs> off to you. Yeah, Chachi, what would you have done? Uh, would you have ended it early? Would you have gotten a little, you know, I would you, yeah, I you I would a little, little uh, vo- voice yeah. your opinion back a little more? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but. I mean, I don't, <laughs> it was something. a funny interview. Yeah, it's a funny interview. And, <laughs> and but you knew more about that guy, I think, anybody else in the world that like, interviewed him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like seriously, like, like anybody else who came up to him, like, in the past, like, five years would not have known all the details that that general knew about. Well, him. you know, you know, the funny thing, because he's he's actually even if he's uh, and I'll call him a curmudgeon, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> 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 him a curmudgeon. That's what set him off, by the way. Yeah, that is got yelled at for calling this comic book creator named Howard Chaykin a curmudgeon. And he fucking laid into Zod <laughs> laid into. But then he, and, he, he he proved his point, though, after her, like going off on him for like five minutes. Yeah, he, he proved us how like <laughs> how grumpy and shit he was. Yeah, the guy the guy is legitimately like uh, kind of a legendary figure in the in- industry though. Right. So he's like, and he's done a lot of like really great stuff. And he also had this uh, had this kind of re- like reputation for being like really contentious and stuff like that. So I thought he would actually enjoy being called a curmudgeon. <laughs> and, but it's oh, like, he did not. oh he did, did not. we find out a different story didn't we yeah, <laughs> yeah you could have, i think he would rather have you called his mother a whore or something because oh, he did not my. he did not like that at all what you said well if you were impressed by zod's comic book knowledge we are doing a three for one comic book creator uh at the halfway point of the show with bob mcleod the creator of new mutants Writer Howard Mackey, another Howard, probably a lot friendlier than. Yeah, he was a little. That Howard Mackey is a much, much more laid back guy and <laughs> and kind of a worse writer than Howard Shake. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but he's but he's he's made some like really cool stuff from the nineties. Yep. And Jean not... Luen Yang. Um, that yeah. will be a three for all here on BTB uh, for the artist. Mm-hmm. Artist uh, and creator um, um, interview uh, block uh, a little later in the show. So Zod, we were actually all talking uh, before you joined us about our favorite Thanksgiving tradition or memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you have one? Did you was it possibly this this past Thanksgiving? Well, Thanksgiving, uh, you know, prior to about a couple of years ago, Thanksgiving was pretty. You know, we had a pretty generic thanksgiving in which like everyone would go to my aunt's house or be turkey there'd be um you know pretty much my aunt was like is like kind of the matriarch of my extended family and and she's the one who would always plan these uh plan these big family events where everybody from all the all the different sides of our extended family would come together and they had this huge house and 
she was uh, I mean it was always like impeccably decorated and I don't know she must wake up at like 3 a.m. to start the meals because there was so much food by the time um, by the time we would get there and unfortunately you know there she's getting a lot older and they they uh, she and my uncle sold their giant house and so now they live in a condo so they can't do that anymore so we've had to become you know uh, there's always been this kind of worry that our extended family is going to start splintering apart as we um you know we each start doing our things oh, excuse me and this time around um well you know, this time around, we didn't have like, you know, a lot of my extended family is traveling like my I don't know if you guys know this. My parents are in Iran right now. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. And um, so, yeah, they I mean, they had planned the trip to Iran like, you know, at least a year ago. So but it's kind of crazy. like they'll be actually coming back this weekend. But they've been there since like uh, uh, when did they leave, like late October. Was it before or after Halloween? Might have been yeah, after Halloween. How, how's everything politically on there? Is it still kind of? Uh, yeah, still... it's 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 kind of insane and scary, but <laughs> at least, um, but like they've been they've been good about kind of like they've been going to like instead of like the city centers, they're going to more like the touristy parts of you know of the country, and they're not in Tehran. They're in like these other small, but um, small place, uh, small like towns and things like that. And they took a trip to Turkey and then they took one to, um, you know, did they go anywhere besides Turkey? All I know is they suddenly have all this money to travel now, which they never did when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) So like they're they're able to go do all this shit while, and uh, so like- uh, Well, they they dropped on the dead weight. Yeah, I guess Ah. that's So. (laughs) Going back to Thanksgiving, so we had a, a lot smaller at Thanksgiving, but it was, like, really great because, like, you know, for one thing, I made a turkey, like, two years ago during the um, pandemic, I made a turkey for the first time, and this year I tried something totally different, and I just, I, I just love seeing this word. I spatchcocked it. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just, like, such a perfect word, and it means, like, you I'm know. i to eat that. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't think I want to go anywhere near that turkey. Batch cocktail. I like it. Yeah, it's where you. It's a in in real life, although it's, it's sounds, a cream de general. It's it sounds like it sounds like something <laughs> where you're adding your very very special marinade to it, but yeah, it's yeah. It, what it actually is is like uh, you cut the you cut the backbone of. You the actually put an improv uh, get uh, get up right there. <laughs> and, you should, and you should add the word uh, turducken in there. So, so the other word with turducken. Spatchcock turducken, yes. That's it. But it's a, it's actually like a, it's, it's a pretty easy way to make a turkey, and it was really good. Where you would, uh, you cut up the, uh, the, the backbone, and then you put it on a, you put it on a tray, and then you have to push down to break its breastbone. Damn. We have a Russian recipe like that with a chicken, actually. It's called uh, um, which is oh. actually, if you had to translate it, it would be chicken or baby chickens um, tobacco, really, if you think about it. But it's really <laughs> not. But so, it's, exactly, so it's like an 80s kindergarten, right? <laughs> no, but the, the, the preparation is kind of the same, which is get the back out and push them down, break the bones, and it's like yeah. pretty much flat. Uh-huh. But you got to season. Why you do it? 
probably. If the head's still <laughs> on. So, no, no, it hurts, baby. Oh, no, God. Don't do it. You Russians. <laughs> you crazy Russians. <laughs> but you, and you got to use a lot of garlic and uh-huh. marinade yeah. and everything. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. And then you roast it, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It, and it's it used to be my favorite dish of all time. Yeah. Yeah, that that does sound really good. It's kind of the same principle. Like mm-hmm. yeah, nothing nothing says Thanksgiving like a fucking tortured turkey. You fuck it all it, up and then you eat it. Right. In a regular one, you stuff it. I mean, you know. Yeah. You, it, you don't fuck it up though. I know, you right? Don't, like, drop elbows on it. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well let's let's um move on, on to everything going on in the world of entertainment as we did. Took, took a little tangent when Zod joined yeah. us, but we had to know what he did for Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, well, we talked about the number one. Derailed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two is the animated film Strange World, which took second place with 12 wait, million. Wait, 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 wait. I heard they lost a lot of money. Yeah. yeah they I, lost like 100, 100 million. I heard they lost. They still lost a lot of money despite. Despite, uh, yeah, despite the being the number two movie. You know, uh, uh, Disney's just getting worse and worse and worse. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I don't know. I don't even want to work for Disney at this point in time. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's like you strong, heard words, that, strong words, Sith Lord. Because he was like starting to uh, get away from the woke stuff. And they were like, nope. So they put Bob Iger back. And because of like, boy, that's going to really help your bottom line. We're gonna right? see, yeah, we'll have to see what Bob Iger does. I mean, he he apparently wants to bring uh, quality uh, back to uh, the Disney product over over dollar signs. I don't know if that means anything. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, number three is only going to be in a very limited theater run because it's going to go to Netflix. It's a Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, but it's still – was the number three movie. I'm excited uh, to see that. Good. Yeah, only so it's only going to be in theaters until next week, and then it disappears, and then it doesn't drop on Netflix until December. So you have to wait an entire month, um, almost, uh, to see. Wait, December what? Yeah, December what? December twenty third. Oh, so okay. almost okay. a month. Yeah. As long as he steps away from the Star Wars franchise and just does those movies, I don't mind. <laughs> I kind of hinted at that when I saw him in person at the Melbourne Film Festival. I was like, "Oh, what the, what the timeline are you thinking of for Star Wars? And could it be anywhere? Uh, I don't know. Maybe never." <laughs> nah. um, and the fourth and fifth places films are Devotion with Jonathan Majors and The Menu, which Chachi, you told me you saw The Menu uh, with one of my yeah. new faves, Anya Taylor Joy. Oh. She looks like a sexy alien. She reminds yeah, you of like a if Star Wars ever hired her. They got to make her like a Twi'lek. You know, she looked like a really hot Twi'lek. With she's, her, like, yeah, she's hot and talented. I really enjoyed her in the um, last night. Last night in Soho. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, thought, I thought it was a great movie. Very underrated movie. Yes. Um, but yeah, the venue was like, I really enjoyed it. Like it was something fresh and like what kills me is something like fresh like this it should be the number one movie but you know it's everybody is up uh, marvel's ass and everything disney does you know so they don't yeah care it, it did underperform a little bit um yeah I mean, if and I, if its I budget was 30 money. million you know yeah. and it only made at fifth place 5 million 5.2 million for the three-day week well, so it's got oh, a wow, okay. 
it's got to um you know it's got to catch up to to re, you know to break even yeah but people who complain about you know these remakes and mm. unnecessary sequels and stuff need to go out there and and watch movies like this when they come out you know unique movies the unique so movies that Hollywood are... keeps making them right yeah so uh surprisingly <laughs> top gun maverick can you believe it's going to have another run yes. i i just i just <laughs> talk about a movie that that well made well way over its budget right yeah um over one billion at the box office and it's still gonna get another run which is, is just that the, uh, is it the number one movie of the year has any other movie made more money it's the number one movie in a decade to be honest with you i think yeah. it exceeded both um endgame and star wars um not the last out of the uh, Force Awakens, where I think were the the uh, the previous yeah. uh, ones, yeah. I believe. This, this movie came out in what, like Memorial Weekend, right? That yeah. Came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And for it for it to like, I mean, I think it, I think it's actually still in the theater, um, on some theaters, you know. But I was going to come back out for another like major run. I mean, that's it's incredible. Right? No one could have predicted this would be this big of a hit. I know it's wild. I, th- I think it was delayed for at least a year and a half, maybe more. Yeah, because of COVID. Yeah, they were waiting. You're right. Smartest, smartest thing they ever did was wait, wait for COVID to um, subside for them to bring it out for a theater run. Because yeah. imagine all the money they made now coming out to a the theater. They never would have made that on any streaming platform. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, had they had they brought it out during the, the COVID time, they wouldn't have made nearly. Yeah, people are pushing for them to bring it out and release it and like yeah. on streaming. So it's actually 1.48 billion globally. Jeez, wow. Point almost 1.5 billion. So, so from December 2nd through December 15th, you can uh, see Top Gun Maverick again in the theaters. Um, all right. Um, so Avatar: The Way of the Water, uh, number two on my list, uh, just dropped its first TV trailer. So basically, this is a shorter, more targeted television spot, uh, which is a little less grandiose. Um, Are they going to make money? That's the problem. Will they make money? It's like, what is your logic spending that kind of money on the film? It's like, I don't know how you can make. So you have to sell, do $2 billion just to break even. Yeah. Can it do as well as Maverick? That's top No. I don't know. I don't think so. I can't. It's yeah. you know the, the first movie came out in 2009. Now now the first Avatar film did get re-released in theaters and did well. But yeah, we'll, I, yeah, I watched it again in the theaters. You did. You got familiar out. with I the did, franchise yeah. again. Good. Yeah, because it, it's been so long since I watched it. I wanted to see it in 3D again. But right. The problem is when, when that first came out, that 3D technology was groundbreaking, and I don't know if Avatar 2 is going to have a an equally groundbreaking technology. For the yeah, movie. you're right. And if it doesn't. And it's going to um, really hurt because I think that's why a lot of people, a lot of people went out to see it in the theaters initially because they were told like, oh, you got something you got to see in theaters. You know, the 3D right. is so amazing. And if it's the yeah. same kind of 3D that it was um, when, the, when the first it's one came out, like 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, like yeah. 12, 12 no, no. Well, yeah, closer to closer to 11 12, years, right? 11 years ago. 11 years. Yeah. 12, 12 years ago. Yeah. 12 or 11 years yeah. ago. Yeah. I think it came I mean, out some, 2010. Didn't it? Yeah, I think it was like yeah, somewhere around. Yeah, there. so more like twelve years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but there's, I mean, that's a, that's a huge. I th- I think the, his demand. Uh, James Cameron thinks the demand's way higher for Avatar than what it is. I don't think yeah. 
everybody went saw Avatar because of the, the story. And I don't, you know, I don't think most Americans can remember like a single name, um, a character <laughs> name from the story. Yeah, uh, you get a thing. You get a like, thing. Like they may have thought the same thing about Top Gun, though. Top Gun, like there hadn't been a Top Gun movie in decades, and look at what happened. Well, I mean, Top that's Gun a valid awesome. point. Yeah, Top Gun cost two billion dollars. That's Top, true. Top Gun still had yeah. a budget, but yeah, the for that CG budget. Well, James Cameron already said if if uh, Avatar two and three aren't a hit, then he's not going on with four and five. Three is definitely going to come out because that's already uh, in the can as well. So the third film will come oh. out, uh, I think. Yeah, uh, but I mean, this. Yeah. For him to for him to plan five of these, that's pretty ambitious. Without that is very ambitious. Even seeing how two does. Yeah. Like it's. I don't know. I mean, that's that's, that's, like, that's like Walking Dead logic there. If he did like maybe eight eight years ago, nine years ago, it it would have it would still be kind of fresh. But this this distance from it, I mean, like. You have a whole generation that never saw Avatar before. Exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah, very I mean, curious to see how it's going to do great when it comes out. It's going to it's going to make a ton of money, but I don't know if it's going to make that much money to make it profitable. Yep. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, uh, you know, yeah. James Cameron has has the previous record holders, you know, with uh, Titanic and an Avatar. So we will see. Um, so number three on the list is Margot like Robbie. Tom Cruise and Avatar too. <laughs> Tom Cruise and Avatar too. Yeah. Margot Robbie is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, we had a fun topic on oh, on the yeah. last the last show, but who would we choose to be our scene partners? You know, if we were, you know, top five scene partners, and Margot Robbie is number one on my list. You know, yeah. um, she's got a new trailer uh, for a film called Babylon with Damien Chazelle, and she plays a 1920s Hollywood bombshell. And uh, it, you know what? She's playing the love interest of. Uh, a Brad Pitt this time. Interestingly enough, she was the love interest of Leonardo DiCaprio oh. in uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, and now she's the love interest of Brad Pitt, I guess. And uh, I mean, some one would argue there's a significant age difference, but uh, I, mean, I'm I would sh- argue that. I would not argue that. You would not argue that. No. no. Okay. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's fine. Is that appropriate? I guess. I yes. Okay. yes. But the trailer looks uh, looks great. And in fact, Margot Robbie is working with her doppelganger, Samara Weaving. Those <laughs> two look like like twins separated at birth. Yeah. Wait, what was she uh, in? Samara Weaving was uh, the she played the the daughter of Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted Three. She was in the Three oh, Billboards, yeah, uh, you know, Ebbing, yeah, Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Um, Samara does have a very, very similar look to Margot Robbie. And she's also Australian. Um, and also Olivia Wilde's in it. Oh my God. Jeez. Oh, that's just God. like an overload of starlets. That's all you had to say. That's all you had to say. Olivia right. Wilde, Samara yeah. Reeving, and Margot Robbie. I mean, uh, that, that is just, there's, there's, no, there's a no brainer. There's a no brainer. I'm going to watch this fucking movie. For some I love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Brad Pitt, who doesn't love Fight Club, right? Um, <laughs> so this is a, uh, if, if Brad Pitt had a, kid with her who grew up to be the most beautiful human being ever. You think? More so than uh, yeah. Brad and Angelina's kid? Yes. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a very... Uh, Don't you think so? Like Brad Pitt I and Margot mean, Robbie? Angelina is beautiful, too. It's not, that's she not, is beautiful, but yeah. is Margot Robbie beautiful? <laughs> that's a tough one, because if you take Angelina Jolie at a prime... Yeah, back in the day. And you put yeah. her next to Margot Robbie, it's a tough 
call. It's a tough call. Like Zab, would, you agree? would you agree? Uh, Margot Robbie versus Angelina Jolie? Oh, I go with Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, okay. Although yeah. Angelina Jolie, I think um, she's uh, she has like I think a little bit more like Margot Robbie looks like a more just you know by her persona in her movie she seems like a more fun person than Angelina. Oh, I've met I've yeah. met them both and they're both fun. So <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't she... think Margot Robbie ever had a bottle of blood around her neck though. She oh, never had a vial of blood. Yeah, that is a little creepy with the Billy yeah. Bob. Billy Bob, I was going to say that. <laughs> Billy Bob. You guys um, forgot about him. Yeah, don't forget no, about Billy no, Bob. No, yeah. She's right. definitely fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and adventurous. Yes, yes, yes. Um, number four is a trailer for When You Finish Saving the World. It's an A24 film <laughs> written and directed by Jesse Eisenberg, who's a brilliant actor. And it stars uh, Finn Wolfhard of Stranger Things, who is pretty much the the it teenage kid <laughs> in every. Uh, yeah, he's the go-to, right? He's the go-to. He's in Ghostbusters, Stranger Things, you know, it. Yeah. And now he's in uh, plays a very similar character, I guess. Uh, he's trying to launch his music career on the internet. Yeah. And his mother, played by Julianne Moore, is trying to, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is she doing now? Okay, so it's basically... She's a psychologist or... <laughs> yeah, she's a psychologist, right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the trailer looks fun. I'd watch it. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It definitely had a more serious vibe to it, but mm-hmm. I, I think it'll be enjoyable, as long as the storyline <laughs> is actually strong enough. Yeah, it, it actually premiered at Sundance earlier this year, and it'll be in theaters uh, in January of 2023. All right. Um, I'm, I'm passing the Washington Monument right now for the listeners at home. Oh, nice, oh. nice. You know where I am, yeah. you'll, you'll be back. <laughs> you'll be, uh, yeah, you'll it'll be an interesting transition, right? You're passing uh, the yeah, one yeah. in D.C. or the one in Baltimore? In oh, the one in Frederick, Maryland. <laughs> Can you believe, Zod, yeah, this is Chachi's first phone call into Booth. I think it is, right? It's your first phone call uh, on the road while, while, while en route. So. Yeah, I was wondering why you look so uh, not so animated in yeah. your little in your little box there. It's like um, comedians and cars getting coffee, whatever it's called. Comedians and cars getting coffee, exactly. Yeah, with you guys with me. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. So uh, James Gunn on number five of my list has confirmed that DCEU will be connected across film, TV, and animation. So they're actually getting rid of the E. So now it's just going to be DCU. That's a, that's something I should point out. And James like Gunn... Kind of like MCU. Kind of like MCU, yeah, DCU, right. you know? So it's James Gunn and Peter Safran in, in tandem working together as co-chairman of DC Studios. And um, the, so with the TV um, tie-in... You're not going to have multiple Superman anymore. Um, yeah. Now this is you know you're not going to have multiple Batman flashes and Batman. So they're going to well, have. You could you could conceivably just put it in the multiverse. Multiverse. They yeah. have to be in the multiverse. Well, I mean, yeah. they got multi multiple Batman and everything like that in their movies too. So it's not like yeah. just TV shows and movies together. Yeah. Yeah, they do have um a lot of um, work to do. Let's just yeah. say so because we yeah. want everything to be cohesive. But I think the Flashpoint storyline is going to hopefully you know, explain a lot. Right, Zod? It seems like a logical way to yeah, explain that, that's the what, uh, That's what – I mean they use that Flashpoint storyline to reboot the DC Comics universe. Right. 
I mean, they've rebooted the DC Comics universe like three or four times now, but it's right. like, um, you know, but they use that to start like completely start over the continuities for like all, right. uh, all the, well, you know, all of the comics. So I imagine they're going to do the same thing here. Is um, them still going to be in um, Flashpoint? Is what? Them. Them. Oh, yeah, uh, you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Ezra Miller, are you really oh, yeah. Ezra Miller? Yeah. Yeah, they can't edit out uh the star of a movie that's in like 90% of the film. <laughs> you uh, wouldn't have a film. But I can and, guarantee, I can guarantee that when the Flash reappears again in however they reboot the universe, it'll be a different person. They'll be like, "Barry, what yeah. happened to you?" And then that'll be it and it'll it be different. different. Yeah. 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 I mean, they tried to replace what the Chris Delia, the comedian who you know got in trouble for the Me Too movement, with Tig Notaro in the Army of Darkness movie on Netflix, and it just it just didn't uh, just made it a little more awkward. Just you know replacing her last minute. Yeah, it never you know. never works. Yeah, there was an Army of Darkness movie on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, with Dave Bautista. Yeah. You oh no, that? that's that's different. Oh okay, I was th- I thought you meant Army of Darkness like the evil. No, that was Army of the Dead. Army so, of Darkness. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Army of Darkness is Army a, of the Dead. Sorry. That's a that's a that's a sequel to Evil Dead. Sorry, is, Army of the Dead. Awesome I stand One of my favorite movies ever. Okay. <laughs> All right. Netflix movies number six. Uh, Jennifer Garner and Ed Helms will be in a uh, a body swap comedy, kind of like the Hot Chick, you know, Freaky Friday. Um, this will be on Netflix. Everything uh, moves in cycles, doesn't it? There's gonna, be, there's, the gonna be, there's gonna be there's probably gonna be there's gonna be like three or four body swap movies like within <laughs> within the span of like six months of each other and then completely be forgotten for the next like fifteen years and then yeah. again I, it hasn't been oh, done yeah, in a yeah, while there's a, right? there a ton of body swaps in the eighties yeah well it, it it seemed like they all came out at the same time around the same time yeah and then and, and they then, always they always do like there'll be like a Volcano movie, and then there'll be like another one that comes out around the same time. Oh no! Wait, there'll like, be a tornado movie. And tornado movies like as well. Yeah. Backdraft movie, and then what was the other movie that was like backdraft? I think they also had Armageddon with another yeah. like space. And um, what was the other one called? Like something falling. Uh, yeah, it was released around the same time. But uh, this is going to be directed by Mick G. Um, you might know him. Uh, he directed the original. Um, Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels. Which is right. fantastic. I love that first Charlie's Angels movie. I thought that yeah. was... Yeah. So how do they body swap? Well, there are two parents uh, trying to keep their family connected, and they encounter an astrological reader that causes the family to wake up to a full-body switch on the morning of the most important day of each of their lives. Okay. Oh, and so, it includes astrology, one of the most insufferable fucking hobbies in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for all you uh, <laughs> astrological fans out there and people that live by the horoscopes. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you even do a body swap movie um, nowadays. Oh, you mean people, with the people whole... People get offended by it. They have to tread very carefully, I'm sure. Yeah. Hero's not offensive. Um, let's see. Speaking of offensive, uh, well, let's see if it is. That <laughs> second, what about Ezra Miller in a body swap movie? How would that work? Because he's both. <laughs> I don't know. Does he body swap himself? I mean, because he's a man. So he's... Oh, boy. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> well, Sith Lord, you're you're uh you're on the dark side. <laughs> yeah, he's on fire today. <laughs> All right, number seven, Netflix revival of That 70s Show. The spinoff is called That 90s Show. Original cast members, Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp. And you will have appearances by all the original cast except for Danny Masterson, who I is wonder why. standing yep. trial on three counts of rape. Yep. But Topher Grace, Mila Kunis, Ashley Kutcher, Lara Papan, and Wilmer Valderrama will make guest star appearances. Um, I saw the trailer. It looked fun, you know. There was a sprinkle yeah. of a diversity, you know. That's always good. Kurtwood Smith. Kurtwood Smith is like immortal, isn't he? Yeah. Let's just, just hope it's funny. You yeah. know, the trailer was fun. You know, Kurtwood Smith was very cantankerous. He was a curmudgeon. He was telling people. He was a curmudgeon. Yeah. <laughs> the trailer, he was like, get out, get out. Let's get just out. say he's yeah. the Howard Chaykin of TV. He's the Howard <laughs> Chaykin of TV. It's still the writing. The delivery will be fantastic one way or another, but the writing Chachi, might not be. Yeah. Chachi, why weren't you happy with the trailer? Yeah, but they tried to be the originals. Like, I don't, I don't care about these fucking kids. Like, I don't care about these fucking kids. You, know, you can't get like, the cast back, Chachi. They, people move on. They grow up. You have to cast new people. But they, they can still, I mean, they did it with Cobra Kai. And like, I just see, like, the original people doing cameos, but it's going to be all about these new fuckers. You know, whereas Cobra well, Kai, the originals were front and center. I get it, and but. Then, and then you build upon it. But, well, I mean, Wilmer, oh, Wilmer's on NCIS now. He's a series regular. I think a lot of the actors have other projects now, so it's a little bit different. Oh, I know. Uh, I know, for them to that's come back. That, that means don't do it then. If you can't get the people no, back, that well, you should do the guest stars. You know, I mean, this is a whole new show. Why, why do it with the original people? Why not just have a whole? The, well, because group? you already have two of the original cast, uh, the, the the mom and dad. You know, Corbett Smith and Deborah Joe Rupp. That's that's already a good yeah. tie-in, and it's the grand, it's the their granddaughter. This is, uh, I guess, Topher Grace's character's daughter. I think. I think that's uh, who. Who's now living with with the the family? I I liked it. I mean, um, you know, we'll did see. They have, did they have Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher in the um in the trailers? Trailer? Mm-hmm. No, I I didn't see them in the trailer, but they are gonna make guest star appearances. Okay. Yes, they will. Yeah. So. No, um, the. I mean, I was never a big fan of that semi show. Uh, anyways, not that I ever thought it was bad. I just never like, really got into it. I used to it. like it. I enjoyed it when it was on. Mm-hmm. You gotta smoke, I mean, I watched, smoke uh, with the cast in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> no hide yeah, I though. That, I watched that '80s show, which was was awful. That was show. abysmal, and that's actually that like was the, the, That was one of the uh, the first uh, first jo- uh, first roles for. Um, oh crap! His name is escaping me. The guy who plays Dennis on It's Always Sunny. Yeah, Glenn. Glenn, Glenn Howerton. Howerton. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of his first I've roles. Read, yeah. And I've read that actually, like, him doing that show actually gave him money to finance. Um, it's, always start, uh, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So if he didn't do that show, we might You're never right. have had It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, but you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the 80s. And, and this is that 80s show is one that I always use as an example of just, like, not getting it right just way too over the top with 80s yeah. like mm-hmm. and it's like you know the guy sitting there is like on the phone is like oh i'm sitting here on the phone on my um on my flip phone playing with a rubik's cube you know and there's that's like the jokes like they're just way too over the top 80s oh whereas, it's 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 kind of forced like, it's kind of like what yeah, they forced. did with a lot of the big bang theory where the joke was supposed to be oh i'm making a geek reference 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but you know, so like, something like Stranger Things, I think, does it perfectly mm-hmm. with the '80s references. But that '80s show only lasted one season. I don't, I don't know if it even lasted the whole season. I don't well, think it did. But. I hope the '90s show gets the the music and the and the the aspects of you know fashion and and culture uh, pop culture correctly. Um, hopefully, it does a, a good job. So. Yeah, because '90s '90s haven't really have been done that much um in entertainment you know i mean it's still out of the 80s and still all about the 80s and entertainment but you don't right. see that many really good like 90s um, movies take place in the 90s or um tv shows take place in the 90s. yeah so there you go i think it's something worth visiting for sure all right what about wednesday on netflix wow so that particular show is the number one show on netflix um oh. on the streaming charts with over 341.2 million hours viewed following its November 23rd mm, premiere, which, which, uh, yeah, which, uh, totals to about 50 million households have seen the wow. series. That's impressive. That's number one on the Netflix. It's the Adams Family movie, isn't it? It's the Adams Family. Yeah, it's, it's Wednesday Adams. Yeah. It's played by Jenna Ortega, yeah, who. Rob Zombie Adams Family movie, I think, flopped it, isn't it? Well, that's the monsters. That's a different. Out of Sally and the monsters are two different franchises. Yeah, I know. Did, that, did Rod Zombie's monsters ever come out? Like, has yeah, that it's on Netflix. No. I, yeah, everybody promoted it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Everybody, everybody saw it. I think bashed the movie. Oh, it did. Well, you know, I interviewed Dan um, Roebuck, you know, who played the Count, and uh, I enjoyed the movie. You know, um. It was had a couple, uh, you know, corny jokes, but you know, I enjoyed it. You know, I'm a little more uh, forgiving, I think. My, my, my. <laughs> yeah, but but you think who you think has done it better so far? The um, oh, Wednesday, that kind of take or well, you know, I'll tell you, movie? I tell you, I haven't seen Wednesday yet, Chachi. Uh, okay. But you, you did tell me that that Jenna Ortega will be a new favorite. Oh yeah. yeah. Why do you think so? I know your type. <laughs> She's playing <laughs> high school. <laughs> she's she's 20 in real life she though. is she's she is adorable yeah. um but you uh, know as far yeah. as her acting and and kind of uh you know getting the role of wednesday you know because christina ricci played it so well you know previously yeah um but uh supposedly there's all kinds of easter eggs in this wednesday show as well because it is produced by tim burton you know yeah he produces he, he directs four episodes and he directs uh, four episodes, episodes right yeah yep so, you know, you'll get like the Pilgrim World, um, the, you know, um, as far as Wednesday, um, learning archery and uh, things of that sort. So, uh, you know, yeah. a lot of, uh, lot of nods to the previous uh, Adams Family film, for sure. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Um, go, getting through this really quickly. Nice. Uh, number eight on my list is Disney Plus's Andor. So let's talk about Andor. I finally. I so should I, should well, I wait for a while? <laughs> how are you going to. Okay. I guess I'll text you back. I, do you really. All right. Fine. If you really. You know what? I'm going to have. I'm only, I'm only halfway through Andor. I got. I'm, I'm up to episode five. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, text my phone. I'll, I'll see it on. Oh, my, uh, are you both scared of spoilers? Come up. I'm gonna. <laughs> I haven't seen any of it yet. Well, we're gonna take a classic cut uh, after that. Um, so okay, I'll, well, I'll text, text you, you and then you'll, you'll come back for the classic cut. Yes. All right. All right. 
So Zod and Chachi don't want to know about Andor. Um, yeah, I don't want to be spoiled <laughs> by it. I'm, I'm really. I will say it was. It started off re- like that's. You were right. That second episode is so so slow. slow. <laughs> and uh, the second but, episode like, so slow. The first episode strong. But when they and got then, to the heist, and then you got that, three, yeah. four, and five are all equally as slow. And then you get to the heist in episode six. Okay, okay so I'm on episode six because I'm so that's heist that's right when now. things you know start to pick up. You know, you get a couple more of those uh, WTF moments. You know. Um, in the heist but as you get to seven eight nine ten and the the rest uh you my gosh it, you know it goes to the prison um scenes obviously uh and or um yeah he gets a sentence uh, he was at, at this like luxurious like resort in star wars galaxy uh i guess he was fucking some really hot chick um, hiding his gun and, and his devices or whatever in his bathroom. And then apparently there's, uh, you know, the empire, you know, apparently, uh, arresting, uh, certain citizens and, uh, and or gets, uh, choked out by that, that same K2 droid that, uh, was played by Alan Tudyk in the Rogue One movie, but it's not Alan Tudyk's K2. It's a, a different one. And uh, <laughs> uh, so then, you know, Andor goes to prison, right? <laughs> and then uh, he's in this, uh, you know, at an island, basically like Rikers <laughs> Island prison, you know, in the middle of an island. Uh, and Andy Circus is uh, also in that same prison and is like the floor manager of, uh, you know, the hard labor <laughs> that all these... Uh, all these prisoners had to endure and Andor was doing all this hard labor and, uh, Andor, uh, and, uh, Andy Serkis's character decide to, uh, because they find, find out that none of the prisoners are going to get released. They decide to try to escape and they were successful, uh, with escaping. Uh, and, uh, we don't know what happened to Andy Serkis's character. We're not sure. Um, but what we do know, is that Andor was able to escape successfully. And then he, he gets back to uh, where his mother had sadly passed away. So this is a very sad moment. Randor's mother uh, was dying of an illness and they thought they could capture Andor at the funeral uh, of his mother. And uh, you get to a little bit of a cliffhanger, you know, um, at the end. So um, that cliffhanger is whether, basically, whether Andor should, uh, you know, well, let's see if I can pull up that cliffhanger because that, that was a very pivotal point in the movie. Um, well, what about uh, what about what they were making in the prison? Do you want to discuss that, or would that? Be- did you see that? Did you did you finish the Andor? Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. Are you are you talking to what the prisoners were making? Yeah. You know, it's some kind of table, isn't it? Oh, what is it? The end credits. Oh, that's what that was. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, we'll get to the end credits. Sorry, I just realized what that was now. Now because yeah, of the that's shape. what they were doing all along. Basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that, man. Yeah, now it makes that's sense. Yes, yes, that is that's exactly what it is. So we'll get at that in a second. So um, one of the um pivotal points 
in there is that uh, what what am I missing? So there was basically the the end of the um, right before we get to the end credits, Paul. Andor is faced with a decision, right? What was that decision? I was trying to find it in my notes. Oh, I found it. Uh, he says, "Kill me or take me." <laughs> okay, so the final scenes we see Luthen played by Stellan Skarsgård arriving back at the ship in the desert, and then apparently cash in and meeting him, and offers Luthen the chance to complete his mission. Basically, says, "Kill me or take me in." And Luthen smirks, and a rebel duo forms and So basically, what they were building, and we saw it in the end credits, was the Death Star hanging in space, and then apparently those those devices, those droids, I guess they're droids, right? Essentially, they're building droids um, that were basically making the death star or they're assembling this this the death star so that was crazy um so the parts that cash and his fellow inmates were making were part of the larger machine and that's what we saw in the end credits those same uh those same uh pieces so uh paul wallace what were your thoughts pretty brilliant way to bring that all full circle yeah, yeah i mean he actually made the machine that wound up killing him at the end that's right. If you think about it, Cash and Andor is indirectly responsible for his own death and the the the, yep. um, the planet where you know where Jin Erso and all the gang went from Rogue One. Um, yeah, that's a very very good point. That was insane. Whew, that was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. So um, now, of course, season two is already uh, in production. Yep, and uh, look for the second season to kind of bridge the gap between Andor season one and Rogue One. So, um, you know what? Again, the series started up really slow, a little boring, but then it really uh, got a little more exciting. So, did, would you agree with that, Paul? I would agree with that. Plus, it tells you the backstory of how the rebellion started, too, which I think was a missing aspect. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That was a big aspect that we had to visit in that one. So I'll agree um, with you guys. So then we got to the, the base, but then it, it has the, the meat, you know, the, the storyline, the, the acting, the, everything is just is brilliant. How how much of Andor did you see? The whole thing. Oh, you saw the whole thing? So you <laughs> good. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know because I figured you would have uh, chimed in a little a little more. So but we, how would that how would Andor rank? Um, amongst the rest of the the Star Wars series, for me, for me, it's probably at the, the bottom. But I, I I've enjoyed all. Of it. The bottom, I mean, the bottom. I mean, there's worse than that. Do you mean, think Obi Wan was worse? I think Obi Wan was worse. I mean, there's only been four series. Boba Fett wasn't great. I mean, I love Book of Boba Fett. Mandalorian was my favorite. Yeah, Mandalorian is everybody's favorite. Yeah. Um, Book of Boba Fett was my second. Uh, Obi Wan, I enjoyed some parts. I didn't like some parts. I like this one. Andor had a slow start, but it got good. That's so why that, I think Andor is going to be one of the better ones. Like so that's the that's the struggle. Yeah. I have to check it out then. You'll have to check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, Chachi McFly. Why don't you take us out to a classic cut break? Right. Let's do it. <laughs> 
All right, so here we go. Where my dog's at. It is time for King Chachi's Classic Cuts. Holla at your boy. Chachi's. Chachi. Yeah, that's right. Chachi in charge once again for Chachi's Classic Cuts. We have a news item to go along with this week's uh, Classic Cuts. Oh, is this something that you want me to bring up? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let me scroll to it really quick. Um, so, yes, yeah, sadly, sadly, we... Uh, Lost a legendary um, performer and, and singer, uh, actress, right? Um, oh, yeah. She's done it all. Um, and that is uh, Irene Cara, best known for her role as Coco Hernandez in the 1980 musical Fame. Okay. Uh, and uh, being the stunning voice behind the iconic main theme of the 1983 musical Flashdance. And sadly, she died in her home at the age of 63. A cause so of death. Like, yeah, a cause of death had not been disclosed. Uh, although, yeah, so it's, I, I don't know why they didn't disclose any uh, any um, cause of death. I guess a lot of people do want to know, especially you know at you know yeah you said 63 is young, um, but uh, in the 1930s that wasn't <laughs> young to pass away at that age. But yeah, nowadays 60. <laughs> 60 no, it's true. The, the know, average, like, right. it's, the average right, life expectancy is, is now in the 90s now. It used yeah. to be used to be in the 60s back then. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but um, yeah, we don't know what, what, what took Irene Cara's life, but she was certainly a very talented and beautiful, um, you know, performer, you know. So you have a classic cut, um, what, which I'm guessing mm-hmm. is one of Irene Cara's iconic I mean, songs. an icon of the 80s um voice i mean in the she was like a she was huge in the 80s but i i still think that she should have been bigger than what she was okay. you know, just being you know just you know being an actress you know being such a great singer um she actually like i think it was in 1981 i read um she did a pilot um like a sitcom with um keenan ivory waynes that you know never got picked up but uh, you know, she could have been an even bigger star if that sitcom got picked up. But um, I mean, it's hard—it's hard to choose uh, one song because it, you know, her voice is so great. And like, this it, is like also what we were talking about the other week about the lost art of um, soundtracks for movies. You know, and making making songs um, particularly for a movie to come out, and that song has become such a great hit and actually helping the movie and the movie helping the song out and having both of them become you know mega blockbusters you know which is what she did with um the song fame and also for this song uh, what a feeling uh, flash dance and that's what this song is now from the 1983 movie flash dance what a feeling by the late irene cara irene cara yes all right so we're gonna play this classic cut, Chachi's classic cut, followed by a uh, a triple treat of comic book creators from Mike the General Zod. And we'll be right back on BTB. Right. Where I hear the music, close my 
Um, this is Mike the General Zod from Below the Belt Show, doing my best Skinner Sweet impersonation here at Baltimore Comic Con. And I am with an absolute legend in the industry. This is Bob McCloud, one of the co-creators, as it says back there, of the New Mutants. Which, I mean, of course, we're not limited to the New Mutants. He has done, uh, done great work with, like, G.I. Joe, and he... He uh, penciled one of the most famous Superman stories, and so it is an absolute pleasure to have um, to have you with us today. Thanks very much. And um, first of all, I'd like to ask, um, you know, because we, we can always talk about the New Mutants. That's like the most famous thing I think you're associated with. The um, what was it like, like working with, like, did you have a good rapport with like Chris Claremont in creating the characters, and uh, how much of it was Chris? How much of it was you? Chris was always very easy to work with. I worked with him on a, a few things before the New Mutants, and um, he's always very easy to work with. Um, we did a lot of back and forth over the telephone and in person, creating mm -hmm. the team of the New Mutants. He and the editor, Louis Simonson, uh, had already begun the process of uh, creating that book before they brought me on. Mm -hmm. So Chris had some character ideas and power ideas and um, needed someone to visualize them. Uh, but we kind of nailed down what they would look like when they used their powers, um, whether they would have... You know, team uniforms or individual costumes, all, all that stuff had to be decided. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as far as their names, that's all Chris. As far as their what their powers would be is Chris. And then we kind of work together to take it from there. Okay, okay. And is it... Um a lot of times, especially since, you know, you're the creators of these characters, but then, you know, they become, you know, Marvel property, and then other creators go in their own uh, directions with these characters. Like, what is that like? Like, do you keep up with uh, what happens with those characters or anything like that? Absolutely not. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> After I uh, left the New Mutants, I didn't want to know what they were going to do with them because I knew it would be different than how I would have done it yeah. and I wouldn't necessarily be happy with the way they were having them look mm -hmm. um, which in retrospect is, is true I just, I would have preferred to do it very differently mm -hmm. um, so you know, it's their property I can't um, I don't have the right to really complain but right. I just as soon move on to other projects and, and let them do what they're going to do. I mean when it comes to projects, do you stick more with like the the big two Marvel DC stuff, or do you do any creator own stuff? I tried moving away from Marvel and DC several times, and every time I did, I had trouble getting paid. <laughs> I see. So I always went back to Marvel and DC, where I knew I would get a paycheck. Yeah, gotcha. And luckily for me, they kept me busy uh, for my career, so uh, it worked out. Okay. Okay. Well, we can also talk about like you know your you know you were the you were the artist for the story that first uh, had Superman reveal his identity to Lois Lane, and uh, you know I was a, I was a little kid at the time when that came out, but it's like a, well I was in like middle school, so but I remember like it caused like there, it was a big deal. Like, uh, did you get like a lot of attention from that? 
Um, I was very honored to be able to be asked to draw that issue. There were two other uh, artists on Superman at the time who had been there longer than me, and uh, I don't know why they chose me to draw the issue, but I was very happy that they did mm -hmm. and excited by it. I did not get a lot of attention from it. Um, fan press wasn't quite as big then as it is now, and um, I was living down in Florida, mm -hmm. uh, not in New York where all the action was. Okay. Uh, well, actually, by then I had moved to Pennsylvania, but still not in New York. Um, so I didn't hear a lot. If there was a big uh, clamor among the fans, I, I wasn't aware of it. Um, and then I quickly, after that issue, I think just a few months later, I moved on to other projects. Okay, okay. Um, one more question. Um, you know, we'll go back to the New Mutants because uh, I do recall I read an article about like how you had you had some choice words to say about the movie that came out. <laughs> like, uh, well, when did it come out? Like two years ago, at least. It came out during COVID. Right. You're right. And um, of course, that was the worst time for a movie to come out. Nobody could go see it in the theater. Exactly. Um, but there's nothing of my contribution to the New Mutants in the movie. Mm -hmm. None of the characters looked the way that I created them to look. Mm -hmm. And then again, Magic looks exactly like she looks in the comics. And I had nothing to do with Magic. Right, so right. I just felt kind of uh, uh, ignored in the movie. There's, there's nothing uh, of, of anything that I contributed in the movie. I didn't think it was a bad movie. I didn't think it was a great movie. It's a, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's a popcorn film. Like, yeah. I mean, did you get any sort of? Um, I mean, it's always a question. Like, did you get any sort of comp compensation for Marvel? For? I got some money for it. Yeah. Okay, well yeah. that well that was good then. I had to get my lawyer to go back four times to Marvel to keep negotiating, but I I did get some money. Thanks. Oh. That's fantastic. That's really, and hopefully that's a trend that's continuing and is going to get, especially as more um, more attention's drawn on, like you know, the creators. How you know there's a lot of money in these movies. Yes, and I really do believe um, myself. Side, I think there's so many comic uh, creators who deserve some money from those movies uh, because the movies couldn't happen without them. And a lot of times they just get a little special thanks at the end of the movie and the credits, yeah. and that's it. So um, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but they, they deserve some money. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, okay. One more question. And if the New Mutants are eventually introduced into the grander MCU, would you want them to be like a a reboot or I mean based on your comments about the um, the Fox movie I would imagine so yeah the Fox movie was not at all how I would have liked to seen them introduced to the public mm -hmm. because outside of the comic fans nobody knew who the New Mutants were right maybe still don't and <laughs> so I'd like to see more of an origin story in, mm -hmm. in the movie and introduce the characters to the public uh, in a better way um I would love to see a reboot uh, by Marvel, but you know who knows if that's ever going to happen. But we'll see. Okay. Keep on Taylor Joy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a big Anya Taylor Joy fan. 
Well, she's great. Yeah, yeah, I like her a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mr. McLeod. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope uh, you know the uh, the rest of Baltimore Comic Con works amazingly for you. And thanks again for being on Below the Belt Show. All right. Thanks very much. Hey everybody, this is Mike the General Zod at uh, Below the Belt Show, and we are here at Baltimore Comic Con, and we're going through talking to comic book creators, some legends, some who are current superstars, and we got a current superstar right now with Jean Wen Yang. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, fantastic. We're a huge fan of, I mean, this guy, I mean, he's uh, he wrote American Born Chinese, which is this amazing representation of like the immigrant experience and I as an immigrant it I, it really resonated with me Thank you. even Thank though you I'm so not much. Chinese but it's uh, and then also like moved on to doing like some amazing work in the big two in DC and Marvel like uh, he's currently doing Shang-Chi the um, the kind of like new uh, the new uh, the new kind of like idea of or the new representation of Shang-Chi closer to the MCU version I guess it is, yeah it's, it's definitely closer to the MCU yeah. version yeah absolutely. and um, and so like you know it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you uh, well first of all let me ask you like you know I'll ask a general question about like what got you into the industry in the first place well, well, first, thank you again. Thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. I started reading comics when I was in the fifth grade. I went to a local bookstore with my mom. My mom bought me a copy of DC Comics Presents number 50 cent, 57 off of the, the bookshelf, uh-huh. off, of, off of that spinner rack, and I've kind of been into comics ever since. So, isn't, it, isn't it kind of funny how we remember the exact yeah, issue? Like, I remember my first, one of my very first was Marvel Tales 143, and yeah. it, was, it was a Marvel team-up story with Spider-Man and Iron Fist. And, but, well, if we're here at a Comic-Con, and, yes. you know, as adults, something snapped in our heads, right? Exactly. Yeah, something exploded in our heads, and for, for me, it was that Superman comic. Um, yeah, it was it was Superman and the Atomic Knights in DC Comics Presents number fifty seven. <laughs> that is uh, that is wild. And, and pretty shortly after that, I started making comics of my own. So mm-hmm. that that was actually one of the things that really drew me to comics in the first place. Was this was like the eighties, right? And back then, you know, I knew I wanted to tell stories by drawing, and I knew that like cartoon shows on the television were telling stories with drawing, but I had no idea how to make those those drawings move. Mm-hmm. But a comic. I understood. I knew how to make a comic, and that's what I did. I started making comics with a friend of mine named Jeremy. Awesome, awesome. Are you still friends with Jeremy? I am still friends with Jeremy. He's not in comics anymore. <laughs> I was about he, to ask, is he a creator he's a, also? He's a re- radiologist. Yeah. He <laughs> oh, makes yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he... Yeah, uh, he does very well for himself. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure his parents uh, his his parents probably have a different idea, at least uh, earlier, Like now that you're successful, but I'm sure your parents were a little bit in the Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the beginning, in the yeah. beginning, when he was going to med school, I was self-publishing comics. Right. So it was very, very drastically different. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so from there, like you know, like 
like one of the really memorable runs that I loved of yours was the uh, the world's finest when you wrote the oh thank you so with much the, um, with that like alien filmmaker yeah yeah the archival worlds yeah, yes yeah. yes and and that's the thing I, I uh, wanted to ask you especially since you started out doing your own independent creative stuff and you know at least uh, now I'm sure you're still doing some creative create your own projects yep. but but, but but you're you're doing also like some. Uh, I mean, do they still call it work for hire? I guess. Yeah, it's, it is work for hire. Like, uh, do you like what are the uh, what are the benefits and drawbacks between the two worlds? I mean, I, I think um, with work that you do in somebody else's universe, like in the Marvel or DC universe, or I've done Avatar comics for Avatar: The Last Airbender, uh-huh. you're um, working with like a pre-existing set of characters, a pre-existing world, a pre-existing magic system. So you don't have to set any of that stuff up. In a lot of ways, you can just dive into whatever story you want to tell. Right. Right. But but on the creator-owned side, um, the benefit is you just get way more control. It right. Is, it is more like... You have to figure out how to world build, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in a way that you don't necessarily have to in the Marvel or DC universes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's but, very, um, very true. But but so there, I feel like there's benefits to both. Mm-hmm. Like, do you get um, like with the Marvel DC stuff? Do you have like? Is there a lot more like editorial influence that like? Do it they de- tell you? What it depends you have on the to... book. Okay. It definitely depends on the book. I, I have to say, for the two books that I'm working on right now. For Shang-Chi, for Marvel, and for Monkey Prince, for DC, mm-hmm. I feel like I've had a lot of creative elbow room. You okay. Know? And especially with, like, with Monkey Prince, it's, like, me and Bernard and um, and Jessica Chen, yeah. uh, who's the editor. We're kind of, like, a team that's putting this together, you mm-hmm. know? It's, it's been a ton of fun. And, it, and does, I mean, does it feel good that it's, like, representational of your culture? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like uh, the, the reason why Monkey Prince as a character is so close to our hearts is because all three of us are Chinese. Americans and we all grew up with tales of the Monkey King. Yeah. Oh. So it's 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 been a, a thrill. Yeah. Think. If I had any sort of like creative ability when it came to writing or drawing, I always wanted to make a Rustam story because I'm Persian. Uh-huh. And like Rustam is this like, you know, famous uh, like um, legendary Persian hero. But oh, cool. <laughs> so but so I can imagine doing Monkey Prince that is <laughs> that that's kind of Yeah, yeah, it feels like that. It feels like we're taking stories that we heard from our parents when we were uh-huh. little and, and sticking them into the DC universe. Yeah, and that could become like the um, defining way that that character is seen in pop culture, similar like how Thor, like when everyone thinks of Thor, they think of the yeah, Marvel Comics yeah, Thor, not yeah. the not mytho- the legendary, not the legendary mythological yeah. one. So yeah, yeah. yeah so. Um, when you went to, uh, like, what about with Shang-Chi? Like, did you, uh, like, when you said you had, like, a lot of elbow room there, I mean, I guess, did you just have to keep it, like, just make the character do certain things, like have the big rings instead of the... Yeah, um, so Shang-Chi, when we, when I first, uh, you know, got brought onto that project, we knew that there was going to be the Shang-Chi movie. We didn't really have any details about the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, and we wanted to, um, like, like Marvel wanted to have a book come out around the time that the movie was going to be released. Mm-hmm. But because we didn't have any details about the movie, we weren't like trying to match it. Oh, okay, okay. So the, they they didn't really tell you anything. They didn't no, spoil any of that. Anything we knew. Wow. What we knew was what the the public knows. Okay. And, and even even the thing that. with the big rings on his arms. I don't know if we. I don't think we knew that. Oh, I don't know if wow. we knew that. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the benefit of that is that we kind of got to play in our own little world, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and and Shang Chi as a character. Like he dates back to the 1970s. America yeah. was very different back very, then. Very some kind of problematic stories. Yeah, absolutely. There's there are definitely problematic elements. Right? Yeah. So what we had to talk about was, well, if we're gonna boil Shang Chi down to his essence mm-hmm. and then rebuild him in a way that, you know, is more fitting of the modern world, what what would that essence be? So what we landed on was he's just a dude with a lot of family issues. His dad is a supervillain. Right. Know? Right. Um, and how does he deal with those family issues? So we try to enhance that family, those family issues, by bringing in like a supporting cast of, of siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to be honest, like, and a lot of that really did tie yeah. in with the movie. Yeah. That's why I thought you yeah. already knew about no, the story in the movie. No, that's what I was going to say. Is like, I feel like I feel like the people behind the movie kind of did the same thing. Uh-huh. You know, since then I've actually gotten to be. Uh, this is going to sound a little name droppy because it is. Of course, I've kind of gotten to be uh, friends with uh, Dustin Cretton, mm-hmm. the director of Shang Chi, because he's also working on. Uh, a television show that's based on my one of my books. Oh, cool! And and we've gotten to talk about it. And I think what they did was was very similar. Was what's the essence, and how do we build it up from the essence? Okay, okay. Um, it would be remiss for me to uh, uh, to not mention one of my favorite stories of the past like few years. I mean, it's it's a DC story, but the uh, when you wrote Superman smashes the clan. How did you get involved in that project? Well, thank you for reading it. Um, so that's actually a retelling of this really old. Yeah, story. I mean, I was I was actually familiar with oh, the good, with good, the good. new with the history behind it, but it yeah. was like wild because you didn't like. I was at first expecting it to be like more of like a behind the scenes thing about the radio show and everything, yeah. but it wasn't. It, you you did a very straightforward story about adaptation. Yeah, we, we had talked about a version like that, uh-huh. and ultimately the project veered away from from that right it was going to be a half fictional half real world story but ultimately it just became all a retelling of the original 1946 storyline you know it's called Clan of the Fiery Cross uh, it was on the, the Superman radio show considered one of the most important Superman stories ever told but exactly. it's just never been told in comics so that's mm-hmm. what we wanted to do and, and really the long and short of it is we pitched it to Marie Javins um, she said yes and we ran awesome awesome and finally, is there any uh, current projects that you want to uh, that you want to plug or announce or well, anything? Well, I'm I'm doing um, I have two projects coming up, both from First Second Books. One is a graphic novel based on the world of Clash Royale and Clash of Clans. I don't know if you've heard of those. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's yeah, like a, a video game, right? Yeah, it's a video game. And then the other one is a is a creator owned rom com graphic novel called awesome. Lunar Near Love Story. Nice, nice. Well, uh, Gene, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to talk to us. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. My yeah, pleasure. And uh, you know, read his books; they're fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you very much. Yeah, great. Hey, everybody! This is Mike, the General Zod, with Below the Belt Show, and we are at Baltimore Comic Con, and uh, always talking to comic book legends. And I have a comic book legend here with me right now. This is Howard Mackey. Howard Mackey, for anyone who read comics in the 90s, I mean, you could not avoid his work. That's <laughs> true. And, like, it was everywhere. Like, uh, when, I, when, I was, uh, when I was younger, there was a remake of Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider was completely unheard of for, uh, for a long time. I mean, and then this guy came up with a new idea for Ghost Rider, a new character, and it went huge. We're talking... Um, 
uh, hologram covers, that glow-in-the-dark thing, I remember, yep. and um, so... First of all, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Although, I'll take exception with the term legendary. It, it always implies old. <laughs> but, so thank you so much. <laughs> well, you are, you're, you're, I mean, I've always kind of wondered, especially like when you're doing work for uh, Marvel or DC, where you're, you know, playing in a sandbox with other people's characters. Yep. Like, how much, of, how much of those ideas are yours compared to like what's brought down by editorial well, it's. I will say my understanding is it's different now than it was then. Okay. Um, I. I mean, I, I certainly I worked with the editor. I mean, and because I came from editorial, I started out as an editor on staff at Marvel, and the best thing to do is have a collaborative relationship with your creators. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ideas were generated by by the writers. That's, okay. When I was an editor, I wanted that because I was lazy. I didn't want to do their job. And then uh, as a writer, I preferred to do it that way, and I was given that leeway by the editors that I, I worked with. So I would say, for the most part, the ideas were mine, but there were all, there's always fine-tuning and guidance from the, the good editors. Okay, so. okay. So, like, you know, since you were the uh, one of the chief writers of the Clone Saga, for example... Yes, indeed. Like, how much of that was your idea compared to, to Brought Down? Well, I will tell you, it, you know, and I tell everybody this, the Clone Saga was first um, uh, inspired by Terry Kavanaugh, okay. who is also a guest at this show. And if you liked the Clone Saga, it was all the good stuff was me. <laughs> and if you hated the Clone Saga, it was all It Terry. was all him, yeah. of course. And, uh, but you know, what, what happened was, and Terry and I have slightly different recollections of this, but we were at an editorial meeting, mm-hmm. um, meaning the editors brought in the, the writers and the artists to discuss the future of the book. And we were really looking for something to change up the the direction of the, the Spider-Man titles at that point. And Terry had called me the night before the the meeting and he was actually he was much more familiar with the continuity than I was. And he described to me the original clone story that Jerry Conway had done. The one from the 70s? Yes. And discussed with me how it ended and all that and I thought it was a great idea that we revisited. Because one of the things we were wrestling with was how to make Spider-Man be perceived as being younger. Because Mm at the time that we came up with the story he had a real job he was married to a supermodel. They had a fancy apartment. It's like, what happened to the everyman right. uh, that, that we all grew up with? And they seem to do that. Marvel seems to do that with Spider-Man like once every like 10 years or so. I, they... I, will, I will say that what, what happens just across the board is that as writers, you start, you go into writing a character and you, you start turning the characters into yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, you know, the real problem, I think the original mistake was you know, having Spider-Man get married. So, oh, so, so when you when you say that, do you mean like you know, once because uh, I'm assuming you're married. So yes. once you became married, like or uh, and maybe well, not he specific. was already married when I I started writing the book. Uh-huh. But I think it happens in general. Okay. You start, and that just 
naturally starts aging the characters. Of course. So, you know, I was in my early 30s when I started writing Spider-Man stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard not to bring those early 30s sensibilities to the characters. I, you know, I shouldn't be writing about a 16-year-old, and right. I, or it wouldn't be it wouldn't be genuine. But you gotta you gotta find that that middle ground of writing the younger character with a younger voice. Okay. Now, I personally think my my period through writing Spider-Man, scripting it was he he was sounding like me. You know, mm-hmm. I you know all of the jokes that he said were my jokes. I can't. Okay. I'm not. I don't think of myself as a naturally funny writer, mm-hmm. but I, I I'm capable of. I, I like to think being somewhat humorous in right, person, right? But and so you bring that to to the page. Okay, okay. I mean, did you did you find yourself doing that with a lot of like? Is uh, another book that I I have a some fond memories. Like uh, it's a, it's definitely a huge like guilty pleasure of mine. I loved your Mutant X run. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, that that was fun. That was really pure fun for me because okay. I got I was given the opportunity. To really write it as as a fanboy, yeah, um, and especially when it got really really bonkers near the end, yeah. which and, I'm assuming yeah. was uh, intentional. You wanted oh, yes. it to, and okay. what what happened was the uh, you know I was writing X Factor before that, uh-huh. and the sales were not great, so we had decided to cancel the title, and then I came in with a proposal. I said, you know, I'd like. Um, Alex Summers to to die mm-hmm. at the end of the book, and the editors went, oh, you know, you know, because killing a character, a main character, you know, we always say you don't you don't ever close a door without opening, opening a window. window. Yes, and so I said, but yes, you're going to kill him, but wait, <laughs> there, there's more, <laughs> and that was the beginning of of Mutant X. I, you know, which starts with I remember dying, mm-hmm. which I thought was such a great line at the time, <laughs> and. <clears throat> I, I just, um, uh, you know, I got I was left alone because they didn't really expect the book to really do well. Right. And I, so I just got to explore stories I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, that was around that time where I stopped buying a lot of comics, but mm-hmm. I made sure to buy that. And a lot of it was because Havoc was my favorite character since yep. I was a little kid. And well, it, I, I always liked him as well. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, but that's yeah, that is so. So are you? Uh, is there anything you're working on right now that yes. you'd like to plug? Sure. I um, I think it was just announced. Uh, there's a five issue Ghost Rider miniseries that will be coming out in May oh, of next cool. year. Is I'm it Danny Ketch or Johnny Blaze? It is Danny Ketch. Blaze will be in the book. It's all set in the time period that my original series. I I see it as being somewhere between between year one and year two. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And, uh, again, this is Howard Mackey. He doesn't like to be called a legend, but he kind of is. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Old man Mackey. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you so much. Wow. General Zod uh, and Chachi McFly... And Darth Paul Wallace and Anna Kay and Al Soto back on BTB. That was What a Feeling by the late, great Irene Cara, followed by a triple threat of Zod interviews finishing up the Baltimore Comic-Con with Howard Mackey, Bob McLeod, and... Gene Luen Yang. Yes, Gene Luen Yang. (laughs) 
who is incredibly such a nice guy and he seems so happy to be interviewed he probably three, didn't get interviewed very much three great creators and um at the end of the show our final baltimore comic-con interview with voice actress extraordinaire veronica taylor the voice of pikachu yeah and i know your son was very thrilled oh, to meet veronica oh yeah taylor, wasn't yeah she, was, wasn't he yeah, he was a uh, he was a big Pokemon fan for a while, so he was he was pretty excited for that, and he took yeah that yeah and Aww, uh, that's pretty cool. yeah and um, next month uh, our final on location interviews from Monster Mania in Oaks, PA, with the cast and director of Terrifier, the horror movie that could at two hundred fifty thousand dollars budget made over ten million. Damn, yeah, so that's coming up next month. Yeah, but uh, we do uh, sadly have to say goodbye to one of the panelists tonight in the virtual BTB studio, and that's the ravishing Russian Anna Kay. Anna Kay, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on BTB. You've been a pleasure. You've been thank ravishing. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you, and I hope everybody had a wonderful thanksgiving right. we talked about it a bit and everybody stay safe and continue to celebrating yeah. more holidays all right thank you anna have a good night guys all right good night anna k the ravishing russian leaving the virtual b2b room all right but we're going to continue the halfway point on this list disney plus guardians of the galaxy the holiday special. Wow, this was a lot of fun. So, uh, did you get the t- chance to check it out? I did. I saw it. Um, I saw it on Sunday, and um, yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was kind of, it's kind of a kind of a piffle, as they as they used to say. But it mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, because. I mean, I guess there is kind of one thing that's pretty significant in the story, but overall, it was just this like fun little romp. They uh, kind of borrowed a lot from uh, a fair amount of tropes of uh, I don't remember the Your first favorite Christmas movies and yeah, inspired yeah. loosely by the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah, oh yeah, it was an awful holiday special, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like a rite of passage for for the Star Wars fans to watch, even though Lucas did not. Uh, give the blessing to have that one uh on a blu-ray or streaming platform but uh but this one was fun this one's something definitely uh definitely something to be proud of (laughs) unlike the star wars holiday special (laughs) james gunn did a fantastic job even though he's moving on to dc he still has one more guardians movie um that we're gonna see and then uh, i think he's focusing on dc after that so he's pretty much done with mcu yeah and this uh, kevin bacon won't be uh, won't be playing any other character in the mcu oh really well he, he can't he, he can't because himself. he's he's himself yeah even though he did have a role in he, played, he was X-Men. in x-men first class, first class. yeah Shaw, but that's like you know multiverse and all that stuff but it's like you know it's it's funny because unless uh, he's like a cg character because you know we do have um thanos uh, we have um josh brolin playing thanos and cable mm-hmm. um and there's been other instances right now we uh, aaron yeah. taylor johnson playing uh uh craven and uh Quicksilver, Quicksilver right but that's so you know there's, yeah there's been a few or the um uh, Alfrey Woodard 
played two different characters. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan when the, the two actors play two different characters in the same. Uh, now, one would argue one's Sony Marvel and one's MCU, but still, I mean, you know, they're they're still trying to in some fa- way bring those two you know studios together because I mean, look at the Spider-Man, yeah. it's Tom Holland, you know. I mean, that's a shared uh, shared character. Uh, yeah, that's been a great. Uh... Cable, though, because when you look at his size and he has that look already, it's like, what'd you say about Kevin Nash? It's been a good uh, cable. Kevin Nash would have been a good cable based on his actual size because I mean, cable's supposed to be well, that's the way Rob Liefeld drew him. I, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> Rob Liefeld drew cable like is and he Kevin was... Nash like still around? I thought he died. Oh, he died. No, no, come on, man, yeah, that's so inappropriate, off. man. His son sadly passed away, but but Kevin. Oh, I thought. Oh wait, it was Scott Hall who died. Scott Hall. Scott Hall Hall died. Yeah, Kevin Nash is alive and well, and yeah, he has some acting experience. No, not anymore. He's pretty much retired. But uh, no, he played um, Super Shredder, Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Yeah, he's had some acting credits. Oh, and he uh, was he played the Russian in one of the Punisher movies, one of the Jane, the one with Jane. That's right. I still think Josh Brolin did a fine, fine job okay. in the Deadpool movie. I don't think I don't think that needs to be recast. I think I think uh, he's gonna like. I don't think if they bring uh, Deadpool, like uh, all of the X Men stuff, including the Deadpool movies, they don't take place in the MCU. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're gonna have even though the third one is technically in the MCU. Yeah, well, you know, that's one of the. I think there's a. What's it? Um, Owen Wilson's going to appear as Mobius. So right. I'm assuming it's going to be like one of those branching timelines. That's uh, exactly. And that's that's how they're going to introduce bring Deadpool into the MCU. Mm. And right. uh, I don't know what they'll do with all the other X-Men characters, but I would I would think by the time they reintroduce Cable into the MCU, I think it's probably. Well, for one thing, Josh Brolin will probably be too old and um well, you know, I mean, Hugh Jackman's no spring chicken either. Yeah, but this is this has got to be his last appearance as Wolverine. Yeah, like there's okay. no way, there's no way in hell that he's gonna. You think be- you, you think he's gonna pass the torch for the yeah. next? Okay. Um, you know, he always said that Logan was his last appearance, but he still <laughs> still somehow makes an appearance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, going back to the holiday special, the I think it was fantastic. So this is the. I guess the final chapter in phase four of MCU because, uh, and it's a Christmas yeah, film, but, but uh, kudos to, to uh, Palm Clementine and Dave Batista, Mantis and Jax. Uh, mm-hmm. They were pretty much the, the leads in this particular film, I'd say. Yeah. They went on to capture, you know, Kevin Bacon for the, you know, for the Christmas gift for star Lord. And, uh, it was a fun, fun film. I enjoyed it. Um, definitely watch it. And, you know, it's good. It's a movie you can watch with, with the, the whole entire family, right, Zod? Yeah. Yeah. My kids like, liked it a lot. My wife liked it, which uh, she doesn't yeah. usually like a lot. She of doesn't usually care for the, the yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. So. But she yeah, I think it. I thought it was fun. I, mean, I don't think it was anything amazing that some people have made it. Well, I wouldn't say like. amazing, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's why that's why I said it's a piffle. It's a fun it's a fun yeah. little version. Yeah. That's a good way but, to take it. But somebody it. was talking about having it having like some of the highest ratings ever for like a Marvel project. So like Really? Yeah, that's some some weird. score. Yeah. I mean I thought it was, it was 
honestly, it's something I'd watch every year, but I thought it was fun watching it. I enjoyed all the Kevin Bacon stuff. I thought it was real funny. Oh, I'm sure yeah. because you just saw those Footloose locations on your trip. Yeah, so I'm exactly, sure that was yeah. that was great for you. Even they, they made a Footloose reference in they the did, yeah. special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Big Paul, did you like the holiday special? I didn't actually see it. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. Okay. You usually have to date on your stuff, but right now, I mean, Andor I like, but a lot of the other stuff is just I don't know. Okay, you'll give it a shot though, right? I might. Oh, you're not sure. Okay. But I was uh, surprised. I mean, the special was literally all about Christmas, but yet they still call it the holiday special, which I don't know why they couldn't just pull the trigger and call it (laughs) it Christmas special. You know what I mean? Like. I like, get, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, there's there's really no mention of Hanukkah or anything. Well, look at the songs. Yeah. They use Christmas Time by the Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. Oh, yeah. which I think will be a uh, Christmas cut this season uh, for next month because of that. They played The Waitresses, Christmas Rapping. One of my favorite uh, uh, Christmas songs. Yeah, they yeah. Oh, they, they played uh they played the um Christmas in New York by the Pogues, which is a yes. Yep. Um. Yeah, Fairy Tale of New York. Christmas fairy Tale of New York. Yeah. Um, Julian Casablancas, you know him from The Stroke, Christmas Treat. Um, yeah, the soundtrack itself is great. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think. It, it, uh, I mean, it made sense calling the Star Wars Christmas, I mean, the Star Wars holiday special, holiday special, because it wasn't right. about Christmas. It was about right. day. But this one, they, they yeah. mentioned Christmas uh, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Definitely, uh, definitely a fun film. All right. <clears throat> Over on Amazon, number 10, uh, Tyler Perry has a deal with Amazon to write and direct four feature films for worldwide distribution on Prime Video. So, did this, did this star a big black woman? It might star a big, big black woman. You might is bring she, Has he ever done anything yeah, yeah, besides yeah. those Medea movies and books? Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, no. I mean, like, I know he's he's starred in stuff. <laughs> he's got a whole empire. Like, he's got his own well, studio. Wasn't he, like, lawyer in uh, the one movie? Wasn't he Ben Affleck's lawyer in a movie where, like, his wife framed him for murder? Oh, yeah, yeah, in God's Fall. Yes. But yeah. what I was what I was thinking, like, but they're all like, I shouldn't have uh, done it in that. That way. was a good movie. Gone but I Girl, mean, right? What I mean is, like, all of his stuff is kind of the same, though. It's that same kind of humor and that same kind of. Yeah. Huh. Has he ever done? Has he ever like? Well, he, you know, he he directed um, that Jazzman Blues uh, movie when we had Kelly Davis. I think Paul, you were there for that when we had Kelly Davis on, uh, which was. Um, during the the slavery period, slavery period of the Civil War era, mm-hmm. um, and that wasn't a com- that wasn't a frivolous comedy or anything like that. So he's he's gone he's gone the serious route. Okay, did he, um, he did he do that one of those? Uh, he he directed one of oh my god, um, some like action adventure movie that starred the guy who played Jack from Lost. He's got a he's got a big resume, Zod. I think yeah. I think you just haven't seen a lot of his other work other than the Medea stuff. But uh, <laughs> um, Jazzman Blues is actually a, a good film. You should check that out on Netflix if you get a okay. chance. Yeah, that's worth uh, that's worth checking out. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the it's, it's, that, that's a away. very it's a powerful film. Very in the same same vein as uh, the Till movie, um, which uh, we'll talk a little bit later because uh, the actress in that one uh, best. Uh, performer in a feature um I mean, would you rather have sex with medea or um <laughs> woman for big, big mama's house <laughs> How about, uh, one. or the um norbit <laughs> right <laughs> who who would you pick josh 
between Medea and uh, Big Mama. Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean. Big Mama's actually a woman, though, right? No, that's Martin Lawrence, isn't oh, it's it? Martin yeah, Martin. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And then in Norbit, in Norbit, well, you can also that's, see that's uh, um, Eddie Murphy. That <laughs> I mean, I think Martin Lawrence would be funnier than um, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. But you gotta, Tyler what about Perry? Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy is Nor- in Norbit. Norbit. And also in Hercules, Hercules. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Nutty Professor. <laughs> yeah. He's great. It was great. He big jugs in that one. <laughs> I remember that one. Jesus Christ. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, black men stealing roles from black women, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, now Scarlett Johansson, she's got to have a series on Amazon. Um, which All right, is... I'll take I'll take some power out of out of. Oh, I'll you'll have Scar- Scarlett Johansson wins that. Oh, you'll yeah, take one for the yeah. team, huh? I'll, sac- yeah. I'll sacrifice. She'll star and executive produce a series called Just Cause. It's an adaptation of John Katzenbach's 92 novel, The Same Name. It's about so, time that novel got made into a movie. Right. 92, right? Yeah. 30 years. Um, it's a thriller series, which got a straight-to-series order on Prime Video from Amazon Studios. Uh, and um, Netflix, uh, I Am Not Okay With This creator, Christy Hall, will be writing um and there you go um so yeah i love um scarlett johansson and uh you know i don't recall a series from scarlett is this, is this scarlett johansson's first television series i think so yeah i don't yeah this was a this might be a first i don't recall her wow. ever on a tv series so um i think that's pretty awesome also they're doing an alex cross series at amazon prime um with aldous hodge as alex cross wait, wait that's somebody to What's his name played? Tyler Perry. Yeah. Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. That was the movie I was thinking of that had the guy who played Jack from Lost. Ah, okay. Um, so we have Isaiah Mustafa and Ryan Eggold and Aldous Hodge uh, with Isaiah and Ryan just joining the cast. Uh, it's based on James Patterson's series of novels. So uh, Hodge uh, plays the title character of Alex Cross a detective and forensic psychologist who is capable of digging into the minds of killers and victims. So there you go. Mm. Yeah. And then on Paramount, number 11, we have uh, 1923, the trailer. Yes. Which, uh, wow, Harrison, again, someone I didn't expect in a television series, Harrison Ford, along with Helen Mirren, um, who's another just movie star that, you know, iconic actress. Yep. And they are that the series marks the first major television role for Harrison Ford. Helen Mirren had appeared on HBO's Catherine the Great, though. Oh, okay. But this is a first. It's crazy. Harrison Ward's first major television role. And then um, and then, you know, I think we mentioned Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And, and now uh, Scarlett Johansson. So I think it's about time that we see like Leo DiCaprio or like a Margot Robbie. Or even a Brad Pitt uh, doing a television series. Maybe well, Leo yeah, was one, one before. Oh, I know what you're doing. You want to bring pains. up throwing pains, don't you? Yes. Uh, I think Leo wants. I feel like feel Leo wants to put, uh, you know, make people forget about that one for some reason. I, even, I think you're right. But even though, uh, even though you know, it was a great start. I mean, that's what started I'm his sure. career. Well, I'm sure he doesn't need to, but I'm sure I, none of his girlfriends ever seen it. 
every girlfriend was born way past the 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 way date that we married, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see, Apple TV number twelve. So Will Smith's first project since the slap scene across the world. Um, yeah, and it's called Emancipation. We talked about this on BTV before, but. It will be released on Apple TV next month, but uh, Chris Rock did interview uh, promoting this project, and he said if fans aren't ready to watch him on screen again, he'll completely understand. Wow, interesting! Interesting that he uh, he said that he's that he, still pissed. Yeah, he'll understand, and but he what he what he what what he's very concerned about is he doesn't want his antics, his actions to affect the team. You know, um, so that's very but important. So since it's on um, um, Apple um, Apple TV, how are they be able to tell whether um, people are boycotting it or not? <laughs> are you alluding to not many people have Apple TV? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're like, but nobody watches this. Are they either pissed, um, have Will Smith still, or is it because it's on Apple um, TV? <laughs> Apple you know what, though? Yeah. That's, well, uh, a third of uh, Philadelphia Actors can't even work right now because of Apple TV. They won't allow people to work unless you're vaccinated with the boosters. Some of the studios, yeah, still um, still have requirements for that. It's yeah. Apple TV and Disney. Apple TV and Disney are the only ones? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there, there were people when that happened on the Oscars. I thought it was a work. Yeah, after, yeah, after they oh, a lot of people thought it was a work. Yeah. <laughs> it took... I mean, I mean, I mean, but after the fact, not while it was happening, that you know, anybody thought it might have been a skit, but they thought right. it was like put up by um, the Oscars to get the Academy Awards to get viewers. Yeah, the ratings were down, but like, I mean, you can tell like Chris Rock is still pissed about the whole situation. I mean, oh yeah, talks about his talks about it during talks his stand-up routine, yeah, yeah, and everything. Um, it better. It'd probably be better to get punched than get slapped. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's like that's disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, at least he, he could have hurt him, you know. Yeah. Chris Rock's a How much smaller Dave guy. Chappelle playing uh, Rick James and slapping Will Smith back. Yeah. <laughs> now, if it was stage, you'd have Dave Chappelle doing the slap back as Rick James to Will Smith. Yeah. But I'm really kind of surprised that Will Smith never really like went on an apology tour after it happened. It Not like so much. Under- well, he he tweeted about it or posted about yeah, well, it. Well, a, a tweet, but I mean. That's not heartfelt, like, is it? It's not. No, I mean, he didn't go on a tour. Like, you know, it's like white person says something that could be considered racist, and they go on this whole tour. He did Every talk yeah, show, he crying um, and stuff like that. No, he kind of said, like, put out a tweet. It didn't really even, like, apologize to, to Chris Rock. Yeah. And then, you know, this went on with his life. Pretty much, but uh, you know, again, this is old news, guys. Yeah, um, let's move on. Blame, but Amanda, uh, yeah, I still blame um, his wife. You still blame Jada? Yeah, Jada's the yeah. instigator. She's the one that gave him the look to go take care of that motherfucker. Oh. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Emancipation, but by the way, is based on a true story of Gordon Whipped Peter, a runaway slave who allowed photographers to take a picture of his well, heavily wait, wait, wait a back. Is that is that actually his name? Whipped Peter, yeah, not crazy. Wow, is it really? Yeah, well, that's the name of the character. That name? Like <laughs> Whipped Peter, yeah. So basically, he's got a picture of heavily scarred back from years of being whipped from plantation owners. 
So the photo became a symbol of inhumane evils of slavery and one of the most widely circulated photos amongst the abolitionist movement. Yeah, so, they have that. They have that photo at the uh, National African American Museum. Right. And exactly. yeah, it's it's a pretty powerful photo to say. <laughs> so yeah. And that was his real name, or, or was it? Well, that was he got that name because of his infamy for that. Right. Okay. Exactly. But thank God, thank God, it didn't like um, fulfill his whole name. Yeah, it's not like some self fulfilling prophecy where he was born whipped Peter, and then so they decided to whip him. No, I don't think that, but I thought it was a coincidence. But I mean, I'm glad that his last name didn't go into effect too. With the right. <laughs> So this that's, is a, be, that's a horrible thing. This is the first time we're gonna probably the sorry, this is the last time we're probably gonna hear this little sound bite, so here we go. Oh man. Everybody knows that a kind of theme song it yeah. definitely brings us some yeah, chills yeah. chills you know that uh and uh, oh, we're talking about the talk, walking dead it is done guys 11 yeah, seasons but, but, in but talk about talk about that talk about the theme song first uh, before we start like that definitely lost art having the um you know opening theme to a show and i think that was definitely one of the top themes you know just how chilling it was and especially the graphics they had on like you know each season you're right because the 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 shows that followed fear the walking dead world beyond they didn't have the long credits and that that really catchy eerie theme no and most most shows nowadays they don't even have credits or they have it only for a couple seconds and a lot yeah of them, oh, you're that, right that stuff, they let you skip past it but you know i didn't even you know, realize that you're right yeah but all the old sitcoms and stuff like it, the sitcoms used to how the opening theme would tell you about the whole entire premise of the show. Right. The opening theme. That's a good point. Usually they just. Cheers or like, you know. Yes. Cobra Kai, like for instance. Did you ever see a Family yeah. Guy episode when he was watching Maud? And they were doing the. Like, yeah, yeah. Maud and it was just like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point because you know what? Uh, in 2010 when uh, Walking Dead came out. Yeah. They, they still had those themes and they still kept it. And yeah, like, that that's interesting. Then, like, stuff like. Um, the Sopranos, like I'd have, I'd have watched the opening theme every time I watched an episode because it just really got me into the yeah. show. And, and some sometimes the opening themes did that; they would really get you ready for the episode. And other times it just took a, it was a big time waste. So it all depended on the shows. But you know, some like Friends, the iconic theme, Cheers. Yeah. Um, you know, even like Charles in Charge with, um, yeah. you know, kind of created the um, classic cut. Yeah, there you go, Chachi's classic yeah. cut. But yeah. So you might have heard the opening promo that was Kari Payton, King Ezekiel yes, from The Walking Dead, who was a great interview that we had, I believe, earlier this year or was it last year? Um, and it last year, I think. Uh, yeah, and uh, Walking Dead just yeah uh, is done, guys. Uh, Eleven wow. seasons. Well, kind of, they just split everybody off. We we know about the spinoffs, but for now, the show that it we know. Started? 2010 it went for 12 years 11 wow. seasons that's crazy I mean, think about your life back in 2010 versus now i mean it's <laughs> it's been on for a long time i mean yeah who's was, was president it wasn't um obama's president in 2010 yeah. so yes that's how long ago it was that's how long ago it was yeah 90 minute 
series finale, um, which aired uh, at its usual uh, 9 p.m. spot. AMC Plus did not have the sneak peek. They wanted everybody to watch the Walking Dead finale at the same time, so there'd be no spoilers. Um, and of course, it killed in the ratings for AMC Plus. Um, and um, average. Well, it killed in the ratings, but it still came in. I heard last out of all the all the season finales. Last out of season finales. Okay. Well, well have... I'd off after the Negan thing. Am I right? I mean, a lot of people like lost interest after Negan sadly, killed Glenn. Sadly, sadly, yeah. a lot of people were upset about ne- uh, Negan killing Glenn, and of course, Carl. Uh, being killed, but uh, 3.1 million viewers um, is the Nielsen's average, which is up, very low, which, which is up 36% from the second to last episode. Yeah, but still very low for a season. I mean, this is a series finale. Right, right. So one, of the, one of the, you know, probably one of the most iconic um, series. Uh, yeah. Definitely one of the top iconic series. Yeah, but uh, uh, on AMC Plus, it's the most watched episode on the platform. Since AMC Plus uh, right. launched in October of 2020, so but let's talk about yeah. some of the highlights from that 90-minute uh, episode. Um, Paul and Chach, I, I know you both uh, tuned into it. Um, it was it was a, a fitting ending. I would say it was a very fitting ending. We had one major character death. Uh, rest in peace, Rosita Espinosa. Yeah, well, uh, that was surprising because I mean. You didn't realize she was even bit till later in, in the episode. Yeah, because uh, she actually went out very heroically. We thought she was going to be eaten by zombies. She fell in the pit of walkers with baby Coco in the backpack, and she gets yeah. out. She starts, you know, just slaughtering a whole bunch of walkers. Yeah. You know, we, we, we think she's going to be okay, and she reveals to both Father Gabriel and Eugene that she had been bitten, and... uh you know, they don't show her, you know, with the mercy kill, you know, and she we never saw her turn, which yeah. I thought it would have been, you know, cool to see Rosita uh, turn. But I guess they didn't feel that fit, fit the emotional level, maybe, because when you see someone turn, it, it, it gives you a different emotion, I guess. And, yeah. and they, they wanted they want you to, to hit hit it, I guess, hit the audience really hard for Rosita's death. But uh, hey, did we see young Carl turn? Oh, we did. Right? We didn't see Carl turn. Oh, no, okay, he was okay. he was bit, and um, didn't didn't who who took Carl's life uh, as far as shooting him in the head, because he already knew that he was going to turn into a walker. But someone just took the mercy and and, yeah. and shot. Was it did, did he shoot himself? I, I just can't recall what happened. Oh yeah, he did shoot himself. I think. Okay, Carl shot oh, himself. Did? Okay. Okay. Took his gun and he just shot himself. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so that was the major death, and uh, you know we saw Ezekiel and now uh, Mercer leading the Commonwealth. So it was good. Uh, we had the that opening promo with uh, Kari Payton plays Ezekiel. Yeah, I think so Mercer ha- is one of the um, coolest characters in the recent Mercer. Recent years. Of, oh, Mercer's uh, a great Dead. character. Yeah. You gotta love the face turn um, yeah. when he said, "Let's fuck some shit up." And, uh, you know, ends up trying to take down Pamela Milton. And I think it was wise not to take uh, Pamela's life because I think, you know, she could, you know, show up in a spinoff. She well, it's the be... same thing as, um, the, it's the same premise as Negan, I think. They, they yeah. use it as, I think yeah. they use They, they, they yeah. don't want to kill someone if they don't have to. You know, there was no motive to kill her other than, you know, I mean, I obviously. Think... 
yeah, I mean, yeah. she's a, she's a bad villain. Yeah. Obviously, she was willing to risk the lives of all the the poor people in the community. I mean, did you get the impression she was actually Hillary Clinton? I mean, I always thought she was. I mean, I thought she was basically Hillary Clinton. I mean, just her demeanor <laughs> and. I mean, that's just. I don't know. That's just the based way I got. based on Hillary Clinton. Yes. <laughs> well, she liked <laughs> to kill people. <laughs> I'm teasing. I thought actually I thought she was one of the weaker villains Walking Dead has had. Like, um, I, I think she was she a wasn't bad villain. She was 100% evil, that's why. She's... Yeah, but I mean, you had, you had the governor, I thought, was way better than her. You had Negan. Yeah. You had yeah. the um, Alpha. Alpha and, uh, was, she was yeah, tough. So you had all these, you know, She's great the villains. She seemed kind of like. Anything I don't she seemed, understand. She seemed more like a villain that you would see, you would have saw early in the early seasons, not like for the final big villain yeah because she didn't initially start out as a villain exactly yeah i kind of got the impression it's like why did they not like discuss negan and maggie going out off together because it's like now you're going to go start that series with no backstory well they're going to explain they're going to explain what's going to happen so um i guess before we get to um the spinoffs let's talk about uh the last scene uh the last few minutes of the walking dead series finale um, which uh, is the ter- return of Andrew Lincoln and Denai Guerrero. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Rick and Michonne. Um, uh, and we saw what appears to be Rick um, seemingly escaping, uh, being captured by the helicopter, but the helicopter, you know, spotting him again and asking him to surrender. So he was probably able to escape maybe the first helicopter ride, I'm assuming. Was and was that, was that New York behind him or was that? That's the thing. Was it, what city was that in? We're not sure. Uh, there are fan theories that it was in Philadelphia and Philadelphia apparently is one of the cities of the oh, hub of the CRM. Yeah, but that's where the Negan thing takes. And Negan and, um, which we can talk about the Negan and Maggie spinoff, Dead City takes place in New York City. So, you know what? It, it, it could be interesting. We could see a CRM um, appearance in the, the Dead City, but yeah, we really don't know, Paul, what the motivation is for Na- for Maggie and Negan to go off to New York. And obviously, we're not going to find out till the first episode. But we do know why Daryl is off uh, to wherever is because he's trying to look for. Rick and Michonne, you know, he obviously got word from Judith that uh, Michonne went to try to find uh, Rick and um, Judith admitting that she didn't tell. She didn't tell Norman. She didn't tell uh, Daryl because she did not want Daryl to leave her behind. And that that I'm glad they explained that. Her parents left her. I mean, it's like the guy who kind of raised her left her. It's like. (laughs) Like you find it su- you find it surprising she didn't say anything earlier. Yeah, yeah but I mean that that's kind of, kind of, they had to explain why and you know and you know Daryl goes into the uh, into the sunset on his motorcycle. Um, now how he ends up in England or France? I forget he's France. <laughs> he, you know, where he's going, we don't know, but well, we do he's, know he's he, rides, he rides really far. Yeah, he, he can he ride a motorcycle all the way to Paris, France? But we no, do he, know. He don't have to do anything. We do know where he's going in France is where on the end credits of Walking the World Beyond, they showed the fast moving zombies. And that was in Europe. So that's what Daryl is going to experience. So that's what makes the 
the Daryl Dixon spinoff a little more intriguing is uh, the fact that he's going to be dealing with the fast-moving zombies. So that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I, I still have a problem with the fast-moving zombies. Yeah. And then, of yeah, course... I, I think I think they just came out of nowhere, and it wasn't really built up at all. And I think it's just something to try to bring some more interest well, to the final season. You know, we're talking about like a European variant of the virus, and that's why he, you know, he goes yeah, to well, Europe. How is it over here, then? Now, the fast moon uh, variant is different than the climbing variant. Oh, okay. I didn't understand this. The fast moving variant is. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but think about how old these zombies are. How can they move fast when they're already like kind of like decrepit right now? They're probably all. Yeah. Well, we saw that. You saw that the end credits scene of World Beyond, right, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. So it, they were fast moving. They were banging on doors. The climbers, the the people that you know, the ones that pulled up knives and rocks and stuff. That I guess that's a different variant. So maybe the B variant, and then the C variant is the fast <laughs> moving ones. I don't know. I guess they're taking a cue from COVID nineteen and all the variants to to make different uh, zombie viruses basically. But uh, I mean, I guess they I guess they had to do it because you know it's getting kind of boring with the way the zombies are now because everybody kind of figured out you know what, what they were all about. Yeah, you know, and it was easier to like just stay away from them. I don't know, like. Yeah, but you know, I'm really excited about this uh, Rick and, uh, of the three spinoffs. It has to be the Rick and Michonne spinoff because yeah, we got a little bit about a uh, little bit of that in the finale in the in the series finale of Walking Dead, and yeah, we got to see how Rick got uh, all those items um, in the boat, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the old cell phone and the, the boots and, and the, yeah. the things that he, he stowed away in that boat before he was captured again by the CRM. Um, yeah, so I really like both characters, Rick and Michonne, but I just think they have no chemistry together. Yeah. You didn't see any chemistry between the two of them. I don't think so. Since I've seen them now. Yeah. I, you know, one would argue they should have probably went the, the the Rick and and um, Andrea route, but they decided to kill off Andrea for whatever reason in an earlier season, because yeah. in the comic books it was Rick and Andrea. Oh, it was okay. Yeah, yep, that was that was the story. So, but they called they killed her off early, so they made made a, a very big change. Um, but um, you know, I was overall, I was I was very very emotionally emotionally invested into this finale, and I think they did a good job. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Like I, I mean, the, the show. I was definitely sentimental for the show because you know we had a lot of good times watching this series, especially yeah. earlier on. You know, and like, how many times did we get to see the um, premiere uh, episode? At, you know, New York Comic Con. Right. Uh, I think I think it was like you know three times. I think we saw that. Yeah, know? that was and such then, a great experience. Yeah. And, we, yeah. and we've become yeah. fans where a lot of our friends and colleagues had stopped watching The Walking Dead. Yeah. Watching the panels before the uh, yeah. episode of New York Comic Con. We made it, going. Chachi. We made yeah. it through 11 seasons of this show. <laughs> I know. And then and going to Sonoy, Georgia, and seeing the yeah, presentations we, and stuff. Of, we, both, um, we both went on separate occasions. Yeah, yeah it was Wendell really cool. Was and, um, and was the... Um, it's an experience. If you're, if you're yeah. a Walking Dead fan, I highly recommend doing the tour in Sonoy, Georgia. You get to see... Which I don't know now that the show has ended if they're going to keep. I doubt they're going to keep that that wall, you know, and everything. Well, no, I heard they're I heard they're taking the wall down. Or it was already down. I heard. Oh, okay. They already took the wall down. Okay, yeah. so. Well, they now say we're going to do it, but I'm not sure if they are. Yeah. Yet or not, but the, the wall is definitely cool to see and like. It's so cool to see. Now the neighborhood that the creators of Walking Dead 
fought um, during the housing um, crash. Yep. And it wasn't a finished neighborhood. And then they ended up um, building some fake stuff in the neighborhood, like like the facade of the church and that kind of stuff. But real people had already bought houses and agreed to oh. live there and abide by the rules of the filming. So, like, you know, they were filming certain days. People couldn't go out of their house or they said, I would love to have your, lived there during that loss. time. That yeah, would have been, I would have negotiated yeah. getting a role in the show. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna fucking shoot at my house, you gotta give me a fucking role in this fucking show. Right. But I mean, I think, I think, it was, I think it was, you know, past due to end, and I think they're definitely overestimating the demand the for The Walking Dead going forward. Well, I think. Well, because so, I mean, if, listen, if the ratings were down already um, when they had all these characters together, how, how do you think they was gonna do um, well with the spinoffs? Oh, they're away with the movies. They're not. They're doing. They're not doing the Rick movies anymore. They're doing the Rick and Michonne series now. Well, that's probably yeah. good. Is that what they did away with? Because the demand's just not there. No, no. Well, they think they think the demand's higher than what it is because the movies were just going to be um, on AMC anyways. Uh, right. It was going to be the movie theater, nothing like that. But they think that. I mean, we're taking. You're taking these um, characters that people love that were all together, and you're going to spin them off and only have a couple that people love. And all these new characters, and they think it's going to do well. I'd be surprised if it does well, you know. And I hope, I hope um, these episodes have a fresh start because now there's going to be no source material for these episodes. There's go, no source material. They go any way they want to go with these new episodes. Well, these no, new series, so. that became a lot better in the later seasons. Have you been watching that? What is? The walk. I mean, yeah, yeah Chuck, we've all watched all, all episodes. Yeah, it has gotten better, but I haven't watched Fear of the Walking Dead since like the no, yeah, Chuck doesn't watch Fear, but he should check after season four. After season four is when it gets good. Before that, it kind of it does. Yeah. Oh, we're talking about Fear yeah. of the Walking Dead specifically. Okay. Because anymore, that's good the whole show after season uh, season four. So. But the thing is, like, what was the other one? The World World Beyond. World Beyond was the one yeah, uh, shot in Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you see, I see, I don't think that. I mean, you gave it a shot. Series, yeah, yeah, I watched. I think I watched one episode. And I was done with it. But these series didn't do well, you know. But so it's not a good track record of you know thinking these other series are going to do well. Yeah, I think if anyone has opportunities, then it'd be the Rick and Michonne one. Um, yeah, because that that story has a lot. I mean, we want to know. We want answers. Exactly. We want to see that reunion. And I think for most of the people love Daryl, and I, I think they still like him, but I don't think it's up to the level that it used to be. Yeah. yeah, and I think another thing that will work in the favor of these um, spinoffs is that they're going to be short seasons. They're, gonna be, they're not going to be as long as as The Walking Dead. So. Oh, oh so there'll be more like the you know like eight episodes, like, ten episodes. Yeah, I think I think the first season of each is going to be six, just like the um exactly how season one of mm-hmm. Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead were. For whatever reason, I want to stick to the six episodes. I think that's. I think yeah. it's the smart thing they can do because these yeah. um. What's it been now? Like it's been like 18 episodes. Yeah, approximately 18. With of course the final yeah. season being 24 episodes. So. Yeah, that's way too much. That's what people. It's most people are just into like 10 episodes max now. Well, you know they did a smart thing with this. Though. They 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 split it up in like almost like three mini seasons. You know, part three. Like yeah. Season 11 ABC is basically what they did. Them too is like I mean Al would used to you used to watch the week before because you had the AMC Plus, but most oh, people I still did. Today. I still do. Yeah, I'm just saying they shouldn't have done that because that hurts the show because it's like if everybody's watching the show at the same time, it's like I think you would have got better viewership. Interesting. Well, 
yeah, no, yeah. because everybody watches Netflix and stuff and, and people binge watch that. A lot of people do do streaming, yeah. Well, it it, like... it it definitely entices people to subscribe and that's why, you know, I decided to subscribe to it, but I don't know, I might cancel my AMC Plus now. But I'm definitely, uh, definitely going to. <laughs> I, I should, right? I should save the five. There's nothing else to watch now. I mean, I better call Saul's over, like this is over. Yeah, the spin-offs, yeah. but yeah, that's I mean, I I don't know if they're going to do that early release, but uh all right, moving on to number 14. Um, it's Peacock. Um, not much on Peacock, but Pitch Perfect has a spinoff called Bumper in Berlin. Uh, so that's available right now on uh, the Peacock Network. And um, you're going to see also the return of more than one of the, the film's original villains uh, with Lula Borg's Peter Kramer from The Sound Machine. Um, not, also- not the return of another fan favorite character. Oh. Which one are you alluding to? Al's, Al's favorite character? Oh. Uh, <laughs> she's a villain in my eyes. <laughs> Rebel Wilson? Yeah. Actually, uh, I was talking about you, because you played a character. <laughs> uh, uh. Yes, I was I was featured on, uh, my friend likes to call, describe it as on the runway, uh, when I was uh, at the party, The it was like a party fundraiser scene. At the aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia, and I, I, I got to put that aquarium over. It's a beautiful aquarium. Yeah, um, it was a really cool scene. But uh, yeah, I mean, this one is uh, this is a spinoff because it's uh, you know it's got also oh, it's got Jamila J- Jamil as well, who you might know from She-Hulk. Um, oh she, yeah. Yeah, she plays Gisela. Mm-hmm. Plays Peter's toxic ex. See again, Disney could have made that show so good. It, all it had to be was She-Hulk smashing people. That's it. Smashing, it was. Smashing it was. It was. It was, <laughs> it was. The She-Hulk show was very, very similar to the comic. I I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I didn't like it at all. I, I mean, you thought it was woke. I didn't think it was woke. I, in yeah. fact, I think it was. Uh, they they showed a woman that just loves to enjoy her life, you know, as an attorney, and she's single. She is very sexually um, active, and <laughs> all they did was take Ally McBeal and made it a she hulk Yeah, I mean, yeah. she was bragging that's kind of, about that's kind of what the comic was like, and the comic was fantastic. She was so. bragging about banging yeah. Daredevil. I mean, I, I thought it was fun. Yeah, I didn't have. Yeah, I didn't think it was woke. I didn't think um, there was anything. But I guess it's not for people who use the term woke unironically. So it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was. I mean, yeah, it depends if you think of word the word woke as either a negative or a positive thing. Um. All right, let's move on. Um. Finish up here. Network TV, not much. Saturday Night Live. Uh, it's got some great hosts coming up. The iconic duo of Martin Short and Steve Martin. They're Have gonna, you guys seen Only Murders in the Building? They are the stars of Only Murders in the Building, and they that is such on a fantastic Fox. show. I love that show. That show yeah. is so funny and yep. and really clever. Yep, the December tenth uh, episode, and then December seventeenth episode, Austin Butler. Austin Butler's Elvis in the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie, and as you know, Chachi at New York Comic Con a few year, uh, years ago. We talked to Austin Butler of a very maybe not so popular show called The Shannara Chronicles. It didn't last very long, but uh, 
He wanted um, to do Spike TV, on, right? Yeah, on Spike TV. Right? Yeah, I think the first season was Spike, and then he moved to another network. Um, and it was like the end of the Spike TV era after that, <laughs> which I wonder if it has anything to do with that yeah, show. Yeah. That kid, Austin Butler, went on to <laughs> uh, portray Elvis in this very high-profile film. So, uh, kudos yeah. to that guy. Yeah, he portrayed Elvis, and now he's hosting Saturday Live. I think you thought that when we interviewed him. At at the at the New York Comic Con, yeah, that he would be hosting Saturday Night Live. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And um, the Gotham Awards took place in New York City. Uh, I did not attend this year. That's why I'm here, guys. Um, uh, I thought about it, but uh, it wasn't in the cards this year. But uh, yeah, this Batman was Batman won, right? When <laughs> 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 you think of the Gotham Awards, you would think of Batman. But yeah, this is a it honors independent <laughs> films of under a certain budget. Of course, they have big names and they draw all, all A-list talent. But um, you'll be surprised with some of the winners, man. At the, you know, I mean, for instance, Kehu Wan, who you know from Indiana Jones and the Goonies, and he won for best supporting yeah. actor in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Talk about a comeback king. Dude quit acting. He quit acting and he came back in a great film. I loved everything everywhere all at once. And uh, he won the best supporting actor award. So that was that was really, really, really uh tremendous. In fact, the film itself, Everything Everywhere All at Once, won best feature. So that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um I'll just read a couple of the winners here, not all of them. Um Best screenplay was the movie Tar uh, that stars um, Kate Blanchett, which is one of your favorites, uh, Zod. Yes, she is. As a the female conductor. Um, and um, But who won the lead performance uh, in a film at the Gotham Awards? That was Daniel Detweiler in Till. Until a very, very powerful movie. Chachi, I know you're familiar with the story of Till. And uh, apparently, Daniel Deadweiler is a strong favorite to to be considered for the Oscars. In fact, she was in a very, very competitive category because now Gotham Awards combines the women and the men. So there's no gender gender separated category for best actor. It's um. I don't like that. Yeah. Well. The thing one one thing about it is that it it what it does is it does it not give less opportunities. But then now I'm looking at the list. It seems like they just combined everyone into bit one big category. So it, so in essence, it's not impacting the number of nominees. Because uh, it, it did it because of non-binary or nine, for non-binary is yeah that's another reason why. Well, Brendan Fraser is one. The only of, reason why. Yeah, Brendan Fraser. You know he he. I think he is a very strong contender. Uh, he is nominated uh, in that category as well. He, obviously, um, Danielle Deadweiler won, but uh, Brendan Fraser is nominated. Colin Farrell was nominated for After Yang. Dan Dewey Newton was nominated for God's Country. Paul Mescal nominated for After Sun. Dale Dickey for A Love Song. Aubrey Plaza, one of our favorites, Zod, in Emily the Criminal. Uh, uh, Taylor, Rus- Taylor Russell and Bones and all, and Michelle Yeoh 
for everything everywhere all at once were the nominees um breakthrough performer was Grasija flipovic in marina congrats to her um breakthrough series is pinchinko with um so hugh uh michael ellenberg lindsey springer and that's on apple tv Outstanding performance in a new series is Ben Winshaw in This Is Going to Hurt. And the breakthrough uh, nonfiction series uh, winner is We Need to Talk About Cosby. <laughs> we need to talk about Cosby. <laughs> Bill Cosby, the documentary. Um, and Adam Sandler, who actually won um, one of the major awards of that night. Uh, the tribute, the performer tribute award. So that's kind of like an icon award, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, he talked about his performance in Hustle on Netflix, and he had a very, very um, f bomb Latin speech. Uh, he said he told his daughters, who are 16 and 14, that he didn't write a speech, and they said phrases like "rude" and "you're mean." Daddy's fucking tired. Daddy works hard. Calm down. They were like, can we write your speech, Daddy? So you got something to say? I said, absolutely. So apparently his daughters wrote his acceptance speech. So that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so that was the Gotham Award. Yeah, I wish his daughters would write, write, wish his daughters would write his scripts. Oh, <laughs> snap. <laughs> Have you seen Hustle? There's, there's some good um, – I haven't seen it yet, but Hustle has some uh, – that's some positive uh, reviews. I got paid five thousand dollars for not working on Hustle. You got paid five thousand dollars. Well, I had a role and like it got canceled, and they sent me a bunch of checks. And it was like because I mean they just said sit at home or just send you checks. And then oh, like, is this because of the vaccination requirements? Things I was like, I couldn't work because I mean medically I cannot get the COVID back. Right. So they so decide the, you because you're already booked for five days and decide just to pay you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they just gave me a check. Wow. Almost done here. Number 17, what's going on in Me Too? Um, Well, Kevin Spacey booked his latest film project. Can you believe that? After three weeks of of winning his sexual uh, battery lawsuit, um, Anthony Rapp had sued him. But uh, he won that case, and that's the thing. If you win your case, you start getting uh, offers again. well, he's not SAG anymore, is he? Then he get kicked out. I don't know if he's still in the union, but this will be a um, he'll be doing a voiceover role. So this is um, uh, it's a movie called Control. Um, so I don't know much about this film, but um, it's uh, directed oh. by Jean Falias about a British prime minister who, ha- who has an affair with the prime minister. Okay. Um, well, I mean, they're going to be more forgiving because of what he, that he, did, he did to men. If he did that to women, I don't think he would still be getting work. That's, if he was accused or not. That's an interesting one. Yeah, well, Harvey Weinstein uh, could be an example of that, Chach. Um, and uh, the thing is, he is not testifying. He's will not testify in the ongoing sexual assault and rape trial. The same exact thing uh, with Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson, the same thing. 
he did not testify either. But now there's an issue with the Masterson trial. The two of the jurors uh, tested positive for COVID, and they had to seat two alternative jurors. And now the panel had to start the deliberations from scratch. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, anyways, to be convicted, Danny Masterson must be found guilty in at least two of the charged cases. If he was only charged with one, he he would have um, he would have been found guilty because there's a statute of limitations um, for one. But if it's multiple, it's a different story. So that's the that's the rule in California. It has to be more than one. What do you and mean more than one? More than one um, rape accusation, because it because they all took because all three of them took place beyond the statute of limitations for a single rape case. He has oh. to be charged guilty of two of the three. That's a weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so all three were past the statute of limitations, but since it was three of them, he can still be charged. So he's got to win. But he's got to do win two of the. He's got to he's got to uh, be convicted of two of the three. NFL. Yeah, that's that's some crazy rules. Um but um yeah, but with the two jurors like getting COVID, you know, so it's gonna delay like um the, the deliberation and there's a chance it could they could have a hung jury. Um, and, and it could also call for mistrial because of the the switching of the jurors uh, due to um, the positive COVID test. I don't know. I didn't even think you could replace a juror um, because Wait, that, that judge wants to be on the safe side. He shouldn't bring bringing up anything about a hung jury. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a judge? Yeah. <laughs> now the latest the latest Me Too <laughs> ac- accused is. Can you believe it? Squid Game actor, Oh Young Soo, oh, yeah. who was yeah. the the older gentleman in Squid Game, the number one in the track the series. He was the oldest. The, the oldest. The oldest, yeah. Yeah, seventy eight years old. He actually won a Golden Globe for the best supporting actor of his performance in in uh, Squid Game. So apparently, uh, the alleged victim filed a complaint in December of twenty twenty one, and uh, apparently. Um, yeah, apparently she was groped, I believe. And um apparently um apparently uh Oh Young said I just held her hand to guide her around the lake. I apologize because they said she wouldn't make a fuss about it, but it doesn't mean that I admit the charges. Okay. Um Yeah, like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, was that, that Korea or was that because I mean in Korea that might be I, don't, I know Korea's kind of strict on stuff. They're a little, they're a little strict on stuff, true. But for right now, he actually had to withdraw from his co-starring role in an upcoming stage play in the Korean city of Jeonju. I mean, was he already um, completed filming for Squid Game too? You're right because it, wait, no, hold on. His character did die. Didn't his oh, character, character die? Yeah, in the hospital. Oh, okay, maybe you're right. Okay, okay, you're, yeah. you're right. He you're survived right. the Squid Games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, you're right. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like, uh, that's how, like, yeah, like right before, at the end of the first season of Squid Game, that's how. Oh, I forgot the main character's name. What was the main character's name? Oh, uh, <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a Korean name that I'm probably yeah. I don't remember. 
Yeah, yeah, it has that big confrontation in the hospital right, right. before he dies. Exactly. Okay. It was a brilliant show, by the way. Yeah. It, it was. I mean, for me to watch the whole show with subtitles, it had to be great. It had to be great. Same with Parasite. The hype yeah, is same. the hype yeah. is the hype was um what's the word Zod? The hype was the de- uh, deserved. Yeah, it's yeah, well yeah. deserved. It was yeah. well deserved. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, what what's the director's name? Choice. Uh. <laughs> well, Bong Soyeon was the director. A uh, Bong was the director of the uh, the Parasite. Parasite. Yeah, and he's like also involved with Squid Game, isn't he? I believe that is a different director. That's a different oh. director. Oh, okay. But uh, sure. they're both they're both brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Parasite's an amazing movie. Parasite they're both great. Such an incredibly um, that was like such a satisfying movie to watch because it's like there's like it's like funny and there's also like some real like legit surprises in it. Yes. It, yeah. it was kind of like I, when I saw that for the first time, it felt like when I saw Get Out for the yes. first time. And get like, out was the dude yeah and you know I, I put the menu the menu maybe not as, as great but the, it was just a, as much as a big twist and then what the fuck yeah. moments you know yeah. Yeah. the menu kind of like gave it all away at the previews am i right the menu the trailer you're right they 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 if i were if i were the producer of the menu i would not have shown too much of what happened because you got to show a little bit because you want to show that the restaurant is crazy. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of people going to a restaurant, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what? People you, eat food. Right. They want to, yeah. You want to give you a reason to go see it. But I think they, yeah, you're right. they did show a little too much, I think. Um, but uh, all right, let's move on. But, you know, we, need, we need these um, foreign series and films and stuff to really kick the American filmmakers in the ass and get them to try new stuff. Original yeah. ideas. Yeah. That's yeah. right. But if That's... you want another foreign series to watch, and it's definitely worth your time, you should watch all five seasons of it, is Money Heist. Money Heist yeah. is Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't seen that yet, that's, uh, that's an astounding now that, good that show. People say it's good, but it never got the awards, darling. No, it didn't. You know? But it's super clever. It's and, clever, but it just didn't yeah. get the attention of the the academies. Yeah, you know, for I the. I mean, the it, there are there are like some, I don't I think the acting is better in Squid Game than mm. in Money Heist, but it's still. I mean, the girls are hotter in Money Heist. <laughs> you only have one supermodel in, uh, in uh, Squid Game. So. That's true. There's there's like three distinctively amazingly hot. Amazing. Girls. Yeah. These models. Yeah. In um in Money Heist, but yeah, it's if you if you want if you still want to you know get your your sub uh, your subtitle Jones in that's good. all right. <laughs> well, hot women is a definite uh, incentive for that Zod. Yeah, it is. Um, so this one was sent to me by Anna, but Anna's no, uh, she's not with us anymore. But I guess we'll still talk about it. it was number eighteen in my list. Well, Kanye West. On the show. I know she's not even here, but Kanye West was joined by. Nick Fuentes, who was accused of being a Holocaust denier, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. alt-right commentator Milo Yanapolos on the Timcast IRL podcast, actually host, hosted by Tim Pool. Like, you know, they all walked out. Yeah. So they were actually out in, um, you know, West Virginia, right? Um, Where is Frederick? Someone, someone posted something and he was, on Reddit that he's in he was, Frederick. He right made now. an appearance in Frederick at yeah. some Japanese restaurant, didn't he? Yeah, uh-huh. which is crazy. So he was right here. Um, 
That was that is one photo op. I, I think I'd be afraid to to post. I don't think oh, I could post you know, the photo you know, op with Kanye West. Kanye West actually helped Trump out because he said like uh he actually said on that like he actually, I think he said Milo Milo uh brought Nick Fuentes to Trump then or Trump had no idea who he was because before okay. they were taking Trump to fight him to that dinner and he had yeah. no idea. So it actually well Tim did. Tim did bring up the, uh, you know, the, the anti-Semitic t- you know, comments and tirade, and uh, and then then you know Kanye or Ye said I just got, yeah. I just got to go to the heart of this anti-Semitic claim, um, you know, before accusing Gapaditas and you know, Brock, and then apparently uh, Tim started questioning him and Ye. Threatened to walk off set, and I said, I feel like it's a setup. I'm gonna walk the fuck off a show if I'm having to talk about it. You can't see, you can't say Jewish people did it when everyone sensible person knows that John Stewart knows what happened to me, and they took it too far. I thought I was more Malcolm X, but I found out I'm more MLK. Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ! <laughs> yeah, maybe some Jewish people did treat him bad. But it's not all Jewish people, so I mean, I don't know why he's thinking that way. I think yeah, it's it's uh, certainly uncalled. It's certainly uncalled for. I think it's, he's one of those guys who's a Farrakhan guy. Do you understand? Like that's something yeah. a lot of people don't understand. There's some like Farrakhan mm-hmm. is like like black people are the original Jews, and I think he follows Farrakhan, and so he thinks all the Jews are against them because it's it's a weird. He's Matt. never he's never actually mentioned Louis Farrakhan though. Oh, he did on know? that. I watched that podcast. He did, yeah. Oh, he did. He actually yeah, he mentioned. Talking, him. He well, he mentioned he's he's more MLK. He, he thought yeah, it was but, more Malcolm X. Twenty three minutes of that podcast, he actually mentions he calls uh, Farrakhan the Great Reverend. So it's like he actually must be oh. a Farrakhan. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. So if you follow that, it's like yeah, you, that's that's where his logic is coming from. But you don't say that kind of stuff, and that's not true. It's, uh, he, he just went overboard. I, I think he just he needs help. It's yeah. crazy. So after his DefCon comment, apparently Alex Jones producer introduced him to Yanapolos when Turd suggested Ye to bring in Fuentes. <laughs> so you bring in all those folks to uh Oh yeah, okay, yeah. He was just like he was like more or less Trump didn't even know who those guys were. They just came with Ye and I think that's why he allowed that to happen. Oh, okay. And Zod, you had a comment? Well, I was just saying he's not Kanye's not doing himself any favors at all. And it's I mean, the worst part is like his music is so good. That it's like, you know, I don't know how like I mean, it's like, you know, every time like, you know, because there's this whole idea about like how you can separate like an artist's work from who the artist is. And, um, you know, like the college dropout and 808 and heartbreak, they're two like classic albums, like, and they're absolutely like almost perfect albums. And so oh, like, you are a Kanye fan. I was, well, I, you were, yeah. you, you were, you were, <laughs> I'm still, I mean, I, I still like his music a lot. And so it's like such a shame to like, see like how much he's like, how much many problems he has and how like. We can kind of put it into the same thing with uh, a lot of other artists that uh, you like their work, but you don't like that person. But that's uh, that's fair. Like Morrissey. 
Yeah. Morrissey's another example. I love his music, but he's he can be an arsehole. <laughs> yeah. Woody Allen made a lot of great movies, but he's kind of a piece of shit. And so right. There you go. There you and, go. And, um, I guess. And I guess some people are, are willing to say their work sucks if they don't like them. But if you. Yeah. But you got to be realistic. I mean, if the, if the music's good or if the, the work is good, then it's good. You know? Although he's still running for president, by the way. <laughs> what, he's, he's, that'll yeah. get far yeah, that was why he went on that podcast to promote yeah i know My, milo yiannopoulos is supposed to be his like campaign manager or something oh my like, god director and they were all they were all at uh mar-a-lago this week yeah yeah, yeah that's, as i said that's what i was talking about like yeah yay brought those two with him and like trump didn't even know who they were right. okay but yeah he yeah. also mentioned during that podcast that he and Milo brought Fuentes, which Trump had no clue who he was. So well, Trump, least... Trump supposedly claimed that he's really impressed with Fuentes. <laughs> of course. That's what this article says. Who was who repeatedly made anti-Semitic racist comments uh, chronicled by the Anti-Defamation League. Well, like Trump was, Trump was like really angry because uh, wasn't it the, they were saying like Kanye asked Trump to be his running mate when he runs for president or yeah, something like that. And Trump went off on him for. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure what Fuentes did was uh, continuously compliment Donald Trump, and that's why Donald Trump says he likes him. And um, that's uh, so I don't know. Yeah. All right, um, almost done. Two more things on the list. Um, in um, relationship news, uh, speaking of Kanye West. Kanye and Kim Kardashians, uh, apparently they settled their divorce officially nearly after two years after they filed in February of 2021. So each will get joint legal and physical custody of their four children, North, St. Chicago, and Psalm. And I forgot Kanye, that their kids had, had those names. <laughs> Kanye has to pay $200,000 a month in child support. Wow. Wow. 200000 That's a that's a drop in the bucket. That's a drop. After, that's like, that's what, like, that's $2 million. Right. Yeah. So it's like, that's not, that's really nothing for him. Chachi, uh, we, we missed uh, what you said. I was going to say, who could have guessed he was crazy after naming his kids those names? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And interestingly enough, Kim's ex, Pete Davidson, is uh, rumored now to be dating Emily Ratajkowski. Uchachi, we got to hang out with back at the Creative Coalition event. I can't, I can't see how he gets those women. He gets dime pieces. Yeah. The hottest David, of Pete Davidson is like life goals, dude. Yes. He <laughs> like, literally gave his soul to the devil. Yeah. Emily Ratajkowski is the fucking hot girl in, in the Robin Thicke uh, Blurred, Blurred Lines Line. movie. Yeah. Uh, video. Oh, God, video. yeah. And um, apparently they were spotted over the weekend sitting together at the New York Knicks basketball game. And uh, um, Adam, um, uh, Ben Stiller was next to them as well. <laughs> but it's not, like, it's not even like he's like some kind of player, where, but he, he, he'll cry over every girl he brings up, gets broken up with. You know, and he'll like get depressed and all this kind of stuff. It's not like he's like, oh, screw them, I'll get another girl or whatever. Not like, like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio who just no, moves on. No, right. Yeah, yeah moves on to the next one. Yeah. I've never heard Leonardo cry over a woman ever. Yeah, that that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Um, but they're both still they're both still studs. You gotta give it yeah, to both like, of them. There. Yeah, like definitely sold his um sold the devil. I think him and Leo Leonardo DiCaprio both did, actually. 
Yeah, because with Leo, it's it's all about those Victoria's Secret models. And now that there's no more Victoria's Secret models, I think he's moved on to like Bella Hadid or one of them. <laughs> but it's, at least with Leo, at least you can say like, okay, he's a good looking guy. I can see how he can get these girls. Right. You know, and, you know he's, he's an amazing, a, an amazing actor. actor and stuff like that. Like, you can't say anything. He, like he looks like a younger uh Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi yeah. actually played his dad, right? In that one. Actually, actually, if if Steve Buscemi like fucked a raccoon, he'd be the offspring. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's crazy. Pete Davidson. But um, you can't even say that he's talented, like or like funny or anything. Like he's all right. Uh, yeah. He's, he's. I mean, he's. He I think he's okay. I'll say it live. Yeah. Like, as far as calling him funny or like a comedian or whatever. Yeah, and Ariana Grande yeah. was. That was a big get. Ariana Grande, um, Kate Beckinsale. But Ariana's what you God, who else? After, right? Oh, um, Sidney Crawford's daughter, Kaya Gerber. Oh my oh, God. He, oh, he hooked up with Sidney Crawford's daughter. I think so. And of course, um, Margaret Qualley was a, another one. She's so many, dude, motherfucker. All right, the last thing on my list. Um, one more gossip news. Apparently, Sophia Bush and Hillary Burton are talking about um, an issue uh, that they had with One Tree Hill that they forced them to do Maxim Magazine back in November 2006. Basically, they said they had to do it, and if they didn't do it, they would never be allowed to do a press day, a movie premiere, an event, or any other charities. We will keep you here forever. Wow, what a threat. Just because, uh, you know, I mean, at the time, Maxim Magazine was it. I mean, it's kind of, you know, how times have evolved. Back then in 2006, that's how they promoted a movie or TV show is yeah. the, the sexy. Um, the sexy spread. Maxim. Spread Maxim or FHM. Yeah. And they so had they to do that. Make you know? Mac- so, so you can still buy Maxim Magazine. It's certainly really? evolved. And I don't think uh, the, the, the actresses are forced to do a, f- a photo shoot anymore but well, no, uh, I, was, I was i was actually surprised can you still get like a paper copy of maxim magazine Does i think i saw one at the barnes out? and nobles i think you can still uh still get maxim and gq and, and all those men's magazines well GQ's gq is different than maxim gq yeah. was all about the fashion it was but, all about the fashion yeah yeah but, but like, i'll tell you sophia yeah. bush and hillary burton are dropped that gorgeous they still are i mean hillary went to marry Nina. Yeah, but the last, you know but the last i saw the um the um, Mac magazine. It was more like a pamphlet. It barely had any content to it. it was like the, the, yeah, it evolved. Some some of the Playboy. Playboy's really the fucking, evolved. Well, Playboy doesn't exist in like a physical Playboy. form anymore, does it? It's yeah. Playboys, yeah. Victoria's no, Secret. The Playboy's gone. Yeah, it's done. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's Playboy's, not. Yeah. It's it's done. It's it's. I mean, granted, you, Chachi, myself, got to experience some of the height of, of, of FHM, Maxim, Playboy events yeah. back in the day. They don't do events anymore, dude. That's uh, it. I think I think Playboy still has foreign editions, but they don't have the U.S. edition anymore. They they, they have foreign editions, yes. Yeah. Which is for the best, because, I mean, they they just really, like, get a middle finger to their whole, like, reader base towards the end there. Oh, and, and you, can, you can actually pay to be in those European versions. I've seen, like... Models oh, yeah. that we wouldn't even turn our heads for, uh, yeah. quote quote unquote models, and they're on the cover of Maxim, uh, Maxim Europe or Playboy Europe. Really? That's kind of that's kind of funny to think of. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I saw this one. I was like, how in the hell is this woman on 
Playboy Sweden and I look at the woman and she's like 50 years old and she's like, no, I'm like, what sounds, the? It sounds, still sounds better than the US version that will put like a homosexual guy on the cover of a men's magazine. That's the thing. A, a Playboy straight, becomes, it, it became so woke they started putting yeah. men on the cover of Playboy. Oh, really? Oh, that's awful. Yes. Yeah, towards the end there. Yeah, but it, it's it done, man. Publicity, um, but it's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the, our liberal listeners, but. Uh, Luckily, Heff was gone by the time that happened. <laughs> he he wouldn't approve. He would not approve no. stuff. But uh, at least we still have porn. I don't think they've changed porn. Not yet. <laughs> I think I think the taste of men have uh, will stay the same, but politics will will always, you know. Yeah. yeah right. Involve you know you know so I think that's why porn will always have, you know, a certain time. <laughs> yeah, porn porn will always have stepdaughters. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, so we're also at the wrap with uh, Rest in Peace um, here on B2B. We already talked about uh, Irene Carroll, which is very heartbreaking, very sad. We also lost um, Nikki Acox, known as Meg Masters on CW Supernatural. She was pretty hot. She, yeah, she's a beautiful woman. She was only 47, guys. Apparently, she was diagnosed with um, leukemia in 2021. And she was undergoing chemo- chemotherapy, and she shared her leukemia journey on her Instagram page. Um, so that that's a sad loss. Um, and uh, bef- oh yeah, even her. We should also mention this person, Clarence Gilliard, veteran actor who had a notable role in Die Hard, Matlock Walker, Texas Ranger, um, who eventually stepped away from. TV and film, and became a theater professor and author. Died at the age of 66. Uh, Chuck, yeah, you're, the, you're uh, a fan. You're a fan the, of Clarence Gilliard, yeah? Was he like the assistant, like Walker's uh, deputy or whatever? Yeah, yeah, he was like the the second guy in, in yeah. Walker. I didn't watch that show, but he was the um, kind of the bad guy, computer hacker type of guy. And uh, that's Die right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Was he the guy who played? Um, who was he in Die Hard? He was a uh, Hans Gruber's cocky computer hacker. Oh, he was the yeah. he was the guy, Theo. and Kareem gets it or whatever he says. In the yeah, yeah, oh. it was good. I thought yeah. was he was he like he reprised his role in that like that commercial that Bruce Willis was in where he where he repri- reprised John McClane. Was that okay? Didn't realize, I believe so. Yeah, didn't realize so, it was him. Yeah, he died. Um, yeah, due to a, um, a long illness that was not disclosed. And we were off last week, so there's one particular notable name that I have to end uh, with who passed away, um, I believe, a week and a half ago. But uh, this one hurts hurts a lot because we got to interview him in person at AwesomeCon. And I also oh, yeah. got the chance to go to Sundance where he appeared in a film – called Omnibook, where our buddy Trey Cheney got to talk to him for Click on This. But for Below the Belt Show, AwesomeCon 2017, the the original Green Power Ranger, Jason David Frank, had died as a result of suicide. Um, very, very sad. Apparently him and his wife were in the middle of, the, uh, of a divorce, and they checked into a Texas hotel. They got separate rooms, and apparently they got in an argument and um uh, apparently they were able to you know um calm things down however um 
they got into another argument the next day and apparently his wife called the cops around 5 a.m on saturday morning and apparently they couldn't get a hold of uh jason david frank and they saw him he was hung in his uh he hanged himself in the bathroom is it hung or hanged i never knew the proper word i, think uh, I always forget it's hanged is it hanged? It's, hung is not it okay well, no, hung is uh, one of them is supposed to be uh, specifically for things, and the other one's supposed to be like when you kill someone. Okay. <laughs> so he hanged himself in or in the bathroom. Ago. He was 49 years old, and dude was one of the consummate Comic Con um, celebrities. He would go to many Comic Cons. He loved the fans. And in the interview, if you listen, which I actually spotlighted it on our SoundCloud soundcloud.com slash below the belt show uh he talked about um he had to deal with a stalker fan that actually threatened to to kill him you know and dealing with that situation which you know was a very dark situation and now we're talking about him you know gone you know because he hung himself you know hanged himself through the suicide and that's horrible and, you know, he was one that was very, very passionate about meeting the fans. And, uh, you know, he's doing he did a bunch of Power Rangers films and spinoffs. Award winning martial artist. He, he was award winning martial artist. He actually also uh, appeared, had a cameo in the new uh, Power Rangers movie as well, which I don't think um, did too well because there's not a sequel yet. But uh, apparently. Um, a friend of his named Mike Bronzoulis, a prize MMA fighter and one of Jason's closest friends, says that Jason um, opened up to him about his depression and ha- mental health struggles, but he kept it private for most people. So that's what makes it surprising. A lot of people didn't know about Jason David yeah. Frank's uh, mental health struggles. Yeah, he always seemed like just a normal dude. Normal dude, and and really like always seemed really happy and and excited to be at all these cons. And apparently his friend Mike spoke to Jason uh, roughly a week before his death. Um, And uh, that is certainly very, very sad. Rest in peace, Jason, David, Frank, and everyone else that we mentioned, Irene Kara and uh, Nikki, Nikki uh, from uh, Supernatural. And of course, um, Clarence Gilliard from Die Hard and Walker, Texas Ranger. So with death, we have to celebrate life for those another um, trip around the sun. Happy birthday to Diane Ladd. She's an icon. 87. Howie Mandel is 67. Happy birthday, Howie. Wow. Um, Tom Sizemore is 61. Andrew McCarthy, who's doing a lot of directing these days. He's 60. Damn. Yeah. Don Cheadle, actor extraordinaire. Um, War Machine. <laughs> He's 58. He's that old? I never would have guessed that. 58. I know, right? That's old. I think he'd be in his 40s. I didn't realize he was 58. I would have given him 50s, but not not late 50s. No, he was, uh, he was in, what, Boogie Nights? And yeah. Like- that was like 25, 26 years ago. <laughs> so. yeah. he's, he's, he's had a long run. Yeah. Yeah. Gina Lee Nolan from Baywatch is 51. Brian oh. Baumgartner from The Office is 50. Now, now Brian Baumgartner looks older than 50. Yeah, I, I would have thought. Come on now. 50. <laughs> Dude, he, he's only. Oh, Jesus Christ. He looks, he looks so much older. 
Um, Anna Faris. Um, we love Anna Faris. Scary movie. Mom. She's 46. And yeah, that's birthday today. Yeah. So uh, uh, that concludes our uh, post Thanksgiving episode here on Below the Belt Show. What a great show from top to bottom. I'd like to thank, of course, our panel uh, with uh, the Ravishing Russian, Anna Kay. Um, of course, um, the Sith Lord himself. Yeah, Paul I just had my 101 uh, fever breaks. Yeah. <laughs> Is that you? Yeah, I mean, well, I told you I'm, I, I was sick all day today. Well, yeah, yeah. We, we appreciate the Sith Lord yep. for, for 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 having a temperature equivalent to Mustafar. So thank you. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, so got some improv there for you, Zod. Uh, thank you so much, Mike the General Zod, the Improv King and the Persian Prince of Pop Culture and the Man with the Causing Calming Presence. Pretty soon that list is going to get longer and longer. <laughs> and the Zadi. Yeah. So um, I'm going to make a quick plug for. Yes, please. Yeah. The, um, I actually have something to plug. I never have anything to and plug. And you do finally. Yes. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so. Uh, December 17th, we're having my my improv troupe uh, called Fully Transparent. Invite, you wait, hold on. You're inviting the B2B audience. Yes, yes. Millions of fans. Right. <laughs> yeah. All millions of fans. If you're in the Baltimore, D.C. area. And you want to meet? And you want to meet Mike the General Zod. Uh, <laughs> December 17th at the Baltimore Inc- Improv Group in downtown yes. Baltimore at 7 p.m., we have uh, we have a show. We are part of like a group, uh, a number of groups that are doing a uh, doing our shows. So and Al got to experience not one but two of them. Although you you've only them, yeah yeah and uh, you know we're only gonna get better and better. I've already saw the the remarkable improvement from from both shows. So fantastic. You know you had a little bit of a, like a nervousness in the first one and then uh, for some reason it all went away and and yeah. Went, uh, I mean the show. nervousness never goes away, but it's it, it was less noticeable. Yeah. So that that's the that's the whole point of of, of you know getting doing well in these improv classes. And I've already plugged my stuff in the beginning, so just listen to the beginning to to and I'll probably talk about it next week for the next three Christmas shows <laughs> before we uh, take a long hiatus. We're taking a we're taking a four week hiatus. Oh, in wow. January, yes, uh, the last week of uh, December and three weeks into January. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know you've got some big plans in January, so I get it. Well, we usually take we usually take two to three weeks now, but because of the trip, I'm t- going to take four weeks. Right. So we only have three more shows left, listening audience. Uh, three more Christmas shows. <laughs> two of those shows are going to be. Um, uh, recorded on Tuesday, uh, including Mike the General Zod's birthday show, which you told me is going to be in two weeks on the 13th, right? Yeah, on the 13th. Which is also going to be a Christmas show. So if you want to pick one of the the punk rock songs from the uh, Guardian soundtrack, feel yeah, free. Yeah, I, I think I might do that. I have a, I think I might have another idea for what would be a cool song, but okay. But I, you know, the ones on the Guardian. I mean, the one of the things that's kind of a bummer about it being like my birthday being in December is like so like 
I have to every time I pick a song, it has to be a Christmas song. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and um, that's true. <laughs> but at least there's punk rock out there, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll find a good. I'll find a good. We'll Christmas find a good song. one. Yeah. I really no, don't. no way. He can. He can pick whatever song he wants. So the we can still so the Christmas cut still, and we can do, do a, a Christmas cut. Exactly. Yeah. We'll okay. Do a, we need a birthday right. cut and a Christmas cut in that. So you're show. not pigeonholed into doing a, a Christmas. There song. you go. Good, Ch- Chachi, the the Christmas, uh, the man with the Christmas gifts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, stay tuned for a BTB social for just the BTB staff. Um, I'm getting some good, good news on that. I'll talk to you guys about it. Uh, but anyways, on behalf of everybody here on BTB, and of course the king of the '80s, Chachi McFly. How can I forget? Yeah. First show. I'll drive. Home safely I, from the drive, yeah. I think home safely now, yes. I am home, yeah. Nice. Wow, look at that. Perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. That's some that's some commitment to the show, Chach. I gotta. I know. He just gotta be bored on the road. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely help pass the drive. There you go. All right, ending BTB with the final Baltimore Comic Con interview with voice actress extraordinaire Veronica Taylor. And it's interesting, Veronica voices a Japanese child in the Pokemon movie. I asked her the question about having to be the, the proper ethnicity when voicing characters because, you know, she voiced um, – remind me yeah. of the character in uh, Pokemon. Ash Ketchum. Ash Ketchum, exactly. So, uh, listen, it's a very interesting and very diplomatic but very interesting response. So, uh, listen to that interview. All right, guys. So on behalf of Mike the General Zod, Paul Darth Wallace, the king of the 80s, Chachi McFly, I'm Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto. We will see you guys next week. Until then. Peace. Peace. All right, we're here at Baltimore Comic Con with voice actress extraordinaire Veronica Taylor here, <laughs> the voice of Ash from Pokemon. She's done Sailor Moon, Teenage Ninja Turtles. My gosh, you've done it all in the world of animation. I would say I'm always looking to do more, honestly. Yes. I'm very happy to have worked on shows that I really love, mm-hmm. but we're always, as you know, always auditioning for the next show, the next job. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of audiobooks, so the next book, all of that stuff. I love that. Now, now, is there a particular show, since you have such a long resume, is there a particular show that you would love to voice that you haven't voiced just yet? Everything that I audition for, I want to be on that. So, okay. Yeah, um, anything really. I just want to keep working. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole thing about it. You just want to challenge yourself, push yourself to your limits. Um, find out what the boundary is and then go back beyond that. Awesome, awesome. Well, Ash Ketchum, of course, Pokemon, such a global phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've voiced so many, so many um, characters. Do you have a favorite character that you like to portray? Uh, I would probably say Ash for sure. Okay. I'm, I haven't had a job that went for eight years. Um, playing Ash, he's so joyful and positive. It mm-hmm. really taught me a lot about life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes him one of my favorites. But Oh, gosh, everyone is so... I like Sailor Pluto. She's mm-hmm. so reserved. I learned yeah. a lot about myself from that. There's so many other kooky anime characters I've played. Um, yeah, I pretty much love them all. Awesome. And have you become a huge fan of anime as a part of the process of voicing so many of the 
the, the works? Yeah, I would say that I am a f- I'm, I am a fan, for sure. What I love is the deeper dive into storytelling. Mm-hmm. I love the animation, for the most part, is really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get a chance to watch that much because I'm busy. Sure. Um, but when I do, I do watch anime. So. Right. And one thing I've when I've interviewed a lot of voice actors, sometimes you can you don't have to leave the comfort of your home to do some work, right? Yeah, unfortunately, that is true. Yeah. I much prefer going to a studio, okay. but um, I've had a home studio for the past eight years or so, so yeah. when the pandemic hit, yes. I was more prepared than others, I suppose, mm-hmm. but I still would rather be in a studio. Right. I don't want to be the engineer, I just want to be the actor, and I like working with professionals, right. so um, I can't wait till we get back to the studio. Nice. Now, has your voiceover uh, also expanded? Added into commercials and and, and narr- narration of things of that sort as well. Yeah, always. I'm. Yeah. I work on a ton of things. Mm-hmm. I do something every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yeah. It's. I have a weird career with mm-hmm. um, commercials and documentaries and mm-hmm. audiobooks And I do a lot of English as a second language. I do mm-hmm. cartoons, anime, all of that. Wow. That, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's so much going on yeah. with Veronica. Now. Um, Obviously, representation is very important, and lately a lot of um, shows have been like, it's important that the actor properly represents the character. I was curious on your thoughts of that, in particular, you know, you've portrayed Ash Ketchum, um, but for instance, Apu uh, was Hank Azaria, but he's no longer voicing Apu, so curious as a voice actor, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's important that everyone gets a seat at the table in terms mm-hmm. of that everyone, I suppose there's a diverse group of people auditioning for parts. Right. I do think that everyone should be able to play everything, mm-hmm. meaning I don't think that if you are a person of color, you can only play a person of color. I think you should be able to play someone who's Caucasian or whatever, you right. know? I mean, there's so many there's so many animals and people and aliens and, right. you know, the sky's the limit. Right. But I do think that there needs to be more representation in the the casting pool as it were and I think that's the important part Um, behind the mic uh, in the in the control room let's say Mm -hmm. who's writing who's directing Mm -hmm. who's animating all those doors need to be opened up so that so much of the talent gets a chance at everything I think that's the really important thing and and we're we're exploring that now and and calling attention to it and I think that's really important Wow, that was a fantastic response. Wow. Well, now, we're all human, yeah. so we all need to give talent a chance. I love it. And equality. I think that's really important now, too. We're talking a lot about equal pay. We're talking about um, equal chance at getting a job. All of those things, it's something that um, is top of my mind. The election's coming up. Mm-hmm. Equality is number one. Yeah. Environment, number two. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Wow. And the final question for aspiring voice actors out there. Yeah. What would you? What kind of advice would you give um, those that want to pursue a career in voice acting? Um, my favorite uh, acting teacher once said, "If there's anything you can do other than being an actor, do that instead." And I think that's the number one thing. If mm-hmm. if acting is what you really want to do, I think the same is true for um, if you wanted to be anything in the creative arts: a writer, an artist, a musician, a singer. You've really got to pursue it. You've got to train as hard as you can. Great. For me, I um, I did all the plays I could in elementary school, high school, college. Mm-hmm. I have a Bachelor of Arts in acting and, and a Master of Fine Arts in acting. I toured there the country go. with 
classic, contemporary, and children's theater. So I have a lot of training in that, which makes it easier for me to jump into a role. I think that's really important. Many people will tell you there's so many other avenues, and that's true. So for me, training... Get a good demo that shows a minute, minute and a half of what Mm -hmm. you can do the best. And then network. You meet people at conventions. You meet people, I don't know, in your neighborhood. And work on stuff. And volunteer for things. And try to just always be honing your craft. I love that. And have you pursued anything like on camera? Yeah, I used to do much more on camera and on stage. But um, when my daughter was born things shifted a bit yeah. and luckily I got auditions for voiceover and I didn't really have time to be on stage or behind the camera because those days are really long and I couldn't take her with me. So go. now she's out of college, I have more time to do other things. Well, there you go. Yep. Cast through your I'm next available. project. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica Taylor, thank you so much for talking us here thank on you. Below the Belt Show. Thanks. You're awesome. Thank you. Well, it has been a ill show tonight and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, 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 bye.